What's up guys? Welcome back to the show. Brief introduction to this one today. A little bit different than usual. This kind of arose spontaneously. Gigi and I had arranged to have a chat. I asked Eric, uh, you know, an hour before if he wanted to jump in. And basically this is just a long meandering conversation or hangout between uh, the three of us. And so it could just as easily have been a, a private conversation, but uh, I have this perverse uh, habit or compulsion to just throw all this stuff up publicly in the event that anybody else wants to listen. So it's uh, perhaps less articulate, more laid back than normal. And I say that basically just to warn you, if you're looking for like a, a high dose of unique thoughts, uh, carefully articulated, then it may not be that. But if you just want to join us for a random hangout on a, on a Friday, then maybe it's up your alley. Anyways, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you to CoinKite for supporting this show. To me, CoinKite seems much more like a bunch of Bitcoin geeks making cool shit than a formal company. This, however, doesn't mean they don't take their work seriously. Quite on the contrary, as these guys take more of an adversarial mindset to the products they develop than any other company that I'm aware of in the Bitcoin space. Their most popular product is the cold card hardware wallet, which has become an extremely popular method amongst hardcore Bitcoiners for self-custodying their Bitcoin. The most recent version of this product, the MK4, is out now with several new features designed to increase ease of use, introduce even more security features for multiple attack vectors, and make the degree of security which cold card offers more robust than ever. Thankfully, these guys also like to have some fun and tinker with some not-so-serious products, which has resulted in a personal favorite of mine, the Block Clock Mini. Whether you've begun orienting your life around block time, need to check an open dime balance, want to keep an eye on the Bitcoin exchange rate, or just get a kick out of watching Moscow time slowly trend towards zero, the Block Clock Mini has become a favored piece of Bitcoin paraphernalia and an increasingly less subtle way of signaling that you've become fully orange-pilled. To learn more about all their awesome products and stay up to date on what they're working on, visit coinkite.com. So what's going on? I guess, I guess we're into it now. How's everyone doing? I'm good. I'm happy. Uh, bear markets are just so nice. I just, I like that. Like, I appreciate the crypto people like running around in the background, like on fire being like, everything's going to die. And it's like, yeah probably true for your coin i'm gonna run past yeah i i love these times as well just because it, it reminds you about how zen bitcoin allows you to feel you know when everyone's just partying because everyone's making a shit ton of money and everything is uh you know booming you don't i mean the, the relative zen is maybe lost but when everything is burning and you still feel the same way if not better then you really remember to appreciate what it is that Bitcoin is about and how it allows you to feel. Well, so I don't know uh, if, it's, if it's just a Schadenfreude, but I do actually feel better if everything burns down and, you know, um, some of the theses that are built up over the years are kind of vindicated. You know, I, I just, I just, I can't even imagine how people like Alan Farrington uh, must feel writing tomes of 35 pages of how crypto or DeFi is neither decentralized nor finance and then just everything everything burns down in like four days basically <laughs> so that must feel nice too but it yeah it, I, it still doesn't feel like a bear market to me really I don't know it's still too fresh 
Uh, mm. I or maybe it's just because I'm numb, don't feel the pain. <laughs> I, it is, I feel it is that way good too. To see. Yeah. I, I, I think there's easy. a few more few more rounds of punishment here. Like yeah. look, the the monkey art is still here. Like we can't the monkey art has oh, yeah. to be completely destroyed yeah. before we can move forward. And if it means yeah. that we gotta gotta get a couple bloody noses, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, a, a good indicator is also Dogecoin. It's still up 10x from January 2021. So, you know, there's still more blood to be had, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I mean, we, we're just beginning to see things come home to roost from, you know, the last two years of madness and insanity and lockdowns and money printing. I mean, it's still on the periphery, maybe, you know, like Sri Lanka and Ecuador and, you know, these literally prime ministers claiming that economies have collapsed. And it's just, you know, it seems like there's going to be a recession in the U.S., but I, I feel like maybe there's a bit of a relief now just because the year started off so horrible. Maybe we'll see that, but I, I still think there's uh, quite a bit of pain in Normie land to come. So we shall see. What have you well, been yeah, up to? I mean, uh, or sorry, go ahead. Just, uh, no, you know, I've just been living life and, you know, I, I always see the storm clouds on the horizon. My problem is, is that like, I don't know if that's like my projection or if that's actually going on. Cause I've felt like that for so long. Um, <laughs> but every time I check in with different sources, you know, like everybody's like, yeah, we're in some pretty extreme circumstances and most people don't seem to recognize it yet. So uh, with that, I've just been kind of thoughtfully working on my property, becoming a little bit more self-sovereign in different ways, working on different skill sets and stuff. So I feel you know, 65% of where I'd need to be if shit really hit the fan, but I feel like that's still 98% better than most people. So totally. How about you? You moved into your new place and yeah, new spot. I mean, I'm in, I don't know. I feel kind of not weird's the wrong word, but I like Zen is probably the better word. And I like, I know there's a lot of weirdness to come and a lot of unwinding to come and it's going to, it's going to wind up on many people's doorstep, even if they're, they're well-prepared, you know, like, like crypto crashing and all this bullshit going away and, and regular markets going down and inflation, like, you know, it's, it's very real and it will, it, it, nobody is immune from it really. And what it does to Bitcoin in the short term, who knows, but I don't know, like, I just feel so disinterested in, in most of it. Disinterested maybe is the wrong. It's not that I don't care. I don't know. I like more than ever. I just feel like it, it's so obvious what I want to focus on and all the noise is just more and more irrelevant. And like that, that's kind of inclusive of, of Twitter. And for me, it just means like I, the thing I love doing the most is one, having these conversations two having conversations with like random Bitcoiners out in the wild that nobody knows about, you know, that, that are just basically doing what we're doing, but they're, they're not, they don't have a quote unquote profile. And then just trying to, you know, trying to, um, I, get, I think I've come to grips with the fact that I'm trying to write a book now because notes for a second article turned into like <laughs> 50,000 words really quick. And I was, and it's not even close <laughs> to being not even close to being the initial dump of things. So that's happening. And uh, you know, like it's, it's cool because I wake up every morning, like not having to force it, like really wanting to like put a good dump out. And then, you know, there's a, a small sense of accomplishment, but also, you know, the, the whole purpose of writing, at least for me, is like to clarify what I think is somewhere in my mind, but, 
you know, clarify it so it can be more easily conceptualized and then more, more fruitfully integrated, let's say. And uh, I don't know that, that those, those three things, three or four things seem to be like the only thing I have that much interest in. Like, I don't, the other stuff that's going on in the world is not, it's hard for it to show up on the radar in any relevant way. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Am I, am I being retarded here? Or? I mean, I wouldn't call you retarded, but you know, like I, I get exactly where you're at because I feel the same thing. Like I'm kind of watching uh, the architecture of like this crypto garbage burning down uh, and like in a very satisfied way, I'm like, look like the architecture flaws and in, in this stupid building, like it was going to burn down anyways. Um, yeah. And same thing, like my, my writing has been good. I'm, I'm working with Bitcoin magazine. I'm trying to get a book out kind of compiling all of my articles. Um, a lot of my thoughts been transforming around the philosophy that I've been reading. So there's been a lot of digesting of that and trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, but yeah, I, I feel the same, like, you know, I'm committed to Bitcoin, the still 21 million units, you know, the, the bear market seems to crystallize like real Bitcoiners and like the dialogue becomes very different. Bitcoiners are like, let it go to zero. We're here for the mission, all that, you know, and you go find anybody in a crypto bullshit. And they're like, well, you know, market conditions change. And we're, we're still here trying to make KuCoin go up. And well, we love you. Please, please support us. You know, and it, it's, uh, it feels really, really good to see how different they are. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what's going on on your side of the pond, Gigi. How, how's stuff feeling over there? Well, it seems like you're both. Uh, you'll probably publish both of your books before I'll publish mine. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt no, that. I'm, I'm, st I'm still, I'm still writing as much as I can. I have a. Um, I thought I'll, I'll publish uh, one, one thing, which is again a um, kind of. It's. I have so much material, and I just try to try to bring it in a form so that it forces me to publish intermittent things as well. So in article form or even whole chapter form. And uh, I have one thing which really tries to nail down um, some of the language we use in Bitcoin. I, I spoke to Stefan about this as well. And this, the, um, this was, I started it before the meltdown started. And it it's kind of related to a lot of the things that you wrote about as well, Eric, in terms of um, the hidden meaning in crypto and mm. also trying to reclaim the word, the, 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 the word cryptography in itself. But I think it's, it's funny how even crypto is kind of like the quote unquote crypto. It's, you can kind of see it as an attack on Bitcoin because it's just it, the crypto part is just one part of the, of the puzzle, you know, like I, I really like to um think of it as a crypto economic system and of course you know like there's the, the book crypto economics by uh, eric yeah eric as well um and you need the economic part as well and i think uh, you mentioned you know like ah there are all these flaws in there are all these flaws in the building and now it's burning down and the thing about the crypto building is it's going to burn down really quickly but in the fiat building there are the, exactly the same flaws it just will take a bit longer to burn down probably it's it's very similar you know like it's <laughs> everything's made up and the points don't matter kind of kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> except this is our lives and this is how we actually pay for stuff so yeah. sorry poor people yeah. <laughs> and and so i i what's going on with me is like i i feel 
I felt very sad about it all for a long time now. Um, so I just kind of, I realized that there isn't much you can do anyway. You can just try to, um, you know, like take Bitcoin as seriously as you can and, um, you know, provide value stack and, you know, um, take responsibility of, of, of your stack and of your holdings and those kind of things. And like you said, you know, like I'm, you're trying your best to become self-sovereign on all these different levels and I'm trying to get there as well. And I'm not as far as lo along as, as you are, I, I'm afraid, but I'm also, I, I, I think, you know, if you're further along than most then you're already fine, it's the, you know, if, if, if the bear is hunting you, you just don't, don't want to be the slowest of the pack kind of deal, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's, I'm in this weird juxtaposition of kind of, I think I know what's going to happen next, so to speak. I just can't tell you when exactly. So the, the timing is very difficult to pin down, but it's it's kind of clear that um, in the current fiat system, there is like no, no way forward that is not destructive, so to speak. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying my best to... So I'm in this weird juxtaposition of... of feeling really bad for most regular people that just have no idea in regards to what's coming but i'm also um elated at the same time and very delighted about more and more people discovering bitcoin for, for themselves and also for the for the right reasons so um i've met so many people now that came in in 2020 and even 2021 and and they are in bitcoin for the right reasons and they even skipped dash coin phases you know and and they they found the lifeboat and they're doing really well and um all the transformations are happening that john is exploring and has been exploring for such a long time where you know people's lives become more meaningful and they take better care of themselves because they finally see a path towards the future. And so, so I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, those are the two things that interest me the most. And depending on my mood, I'm focusing more on the one thing and, uh, <laughs> and sometimes I'm focusing more on the darker parts that probably are still coming down the road. So yeah, that's what's, what's going on with me. But I think in, in general, I'm, I'm insanely optimistic. Um, uh, it's, I, I think I just, how should I put it? I'm so optimistic and I'm so grateful that Bitcoin exists, but I also hope, like, I, I have no illusions that we kind of have to continue to, you know, take care of ourselves and educate other people. And, um, there are still ways we can fuck things up for ourselves for example <laughs> you know like oh, yeah. <laughs> i try to, to keep myself on my toes so to speak yeah okay. i mean i think uh it, it it's a little dangerous and then i think there's a subset of bitcoiners who are just like this is all given and i think uh while i feel that same way like i think it it's really important to remember the sort of vanguardist approach that we have to take right now like we, you know, you need the whole Bitcoin of exchange. You need to run your own node. You need to understand lightning. You need to educate other people. And like, if we don't have the fullness of that, it is possible for this to all get captured. And I think, uh, you know, some of the events that have happened in Bitcoin are great examples. Like, I think, I think the SegWit2x attack was um, like, that's the sort of attack I expect to see in the future. And, and something similar to, you know, like green Bitcoin for POS or whatever bullshit, but it's the, uh, you know, 
the the toxicity that kind of helps keep us vigilant. And I guess that for me, that's also what will kind of make a Bitcoiner more of like this sort of vanguardist class of Bitcoiner is that like they are a toxic maximalist Bitcoiner because like they just want to get everybody on Bitcoin and they don't care about any of the other superfluous shit that's going on. Which, you know, as I've wrote about, I think uh, the the crypto attack vector has been an important one that needs to be explored deeply so that like in five years when somebody's like, well, like, let me present to you Panda coin. People will be like, oh, like, shut the fuck off. Like, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with your Panda coin. And they're like, well, no, no, it's perfect. And it's like, fuck off. And like, then it's finally done. And so I think, I think that's part of what this bear cycle is going to be about is about stepping into that power of, of feeling certain and powerful to tell crypto to fuck off and that you have nothing to do with what we're trying to accomplish here and stop trying to suck off and parasitically off of what we're building because that's exactly what you guys are doing you, you think we can get there in like such a short amount of time do, do you have <laughs> i'm i'm kind of skeptical i think I don't know. I, I I'll have to look this up. I'll have to study up on 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 the history of perpetual motion machines. But I think it took a very very long time until people figured out that per perpetual motion machines cannot exist. And there's still you know there's still many people that believe that perpetual motion machines can exist. And to me, it's like the same kind of problem. Like all the crypto people, they want to have uh, something for nothing. You know, like they want they want to have a free lunch, so to speak. And they think that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I really, I really have to publish this very soon. I'll, I'll try, I'll try to get it out tomorrow, basically, or in the next couple of days. But even proof of stake is an attack on proof of work, so to speak, or an attack on Bitcoin because it, it makes it seem as if it was a viable alternative. You know, like there's proof of work and there's proof of stake. It's basically the same thing. It's basically the same word. You know, but it, it is like it's not even in the same ballpark. Like it's. <laughs> proof of stake is basically <laughs> made up make-believe world and doesn't solve any of the very intricate problems that proof of work solves and one one of the problems for example you know i wrote about this at length is the problem of telling time in a decentralized network like you cannot you don't have a fixed time in a decentralized network and proof of stake can never solve this and of course you have the problem of issuance and, and all the rest of it and you have stake grinding problems and not, the nothing at stake problem like everyone who studied this for a little bit knows this but but just linguistically if people haven't studied this deeply they think it's the same thing and you have you know like those three or four or five different mechanisms and you can just pick one and they are all basically the same and it, it really it really annoys me that we are still at the stage where people believe that perpetual motion machines exist and I'm, I'm afraid it will probably take a longer time until you know they will um ref refuse the entertaining the idea of panda coin outright but maybe i'm just too pessimistic today <laughs> i mean no, to I'm me a... this is part of the uh, i'm sorry go, go ahead john no, i was just gonna say i you know if if the capability exists to make your own money or at least like seems to exist or there's a possibility you could attempt to convince people of such a thing then people are always going to continue doing it you know it's a matter of like how many people wake up to the fact that a perpetual motion ma machine doesn't exist and like there, there's always going to be a subset that does you know so i don't think this stuff ever fully washes out it's just it's the way it is so like you know you, you have the the u.s dollar hegemony largely because of its monopoly on violence, right? Your people are forced to use it in various ways. 
And so that helps restrain like all the other competing currencies that might come up. But if there's a free market in, in money and currencies, like you're, you're going to always have people trying to claim a variety of spectacular things that all this stuff is going to do. And it, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how, how much of a portion of, of the whole that stuff takes up. Hopefully it diminishes over time, but you know, that's just the ongoing activity of the free market continuing to prove truth, you know, over the course of time. So I, I don't know how much we should expect like all that stuff to go away. I think it, it has to go down a lot from where it is now, because given how early we are, like it was way easier to sell, to pitch a lot of those stories and maybe that, you know, Bitcoin succeeding and people starting to understand what it is, is going to make that more difficult over time. But so, I, and we go down a lot from here, I think, but it'll always be there. So it is what it is. It is what it is indeed. You know, so I was thinking as you guys were speaking, um, my prior comments about like, just not really caring about what's happening in clown world. And I, I think the fact that the COVID narrative has died down a little bit, has made us all a little bit, you know, more chill, complacent, whatever you want to call it. And I, I suspect there will be more re many more reasons emerging over the coming years to get us all up in arms again. But um, I think for, for me, it's like, maybe, maybe the, the culture, the Bitcoin culture, or the scale of this thing has just reached such a mass that like, I, I just don't even care about fiat land anymore. Like it, there's enough in Bitcoin that I just want to exclusively interact with that, both as a monetary asset, as a, how I spend my money, the people I interact with, the, you know, the ideas that I want to wrestle with, you know, it's like, instead of like operating on the, the membrane between the two and being like, Oh, like, wow, what's happening in the macro that's going to influence Bitcoin. What is so-and-so saying about Bitcoin? Like, I just feel more and more drawn into just, just exclusively focusing on what's happening in Bitcoin land and like contributing to that in the way that comes most natural to me or I'm most curious about and interacting with others doing the same and treating fiat land as it should be treated, which is, as irrelevant, you know, as, as not nearly as important as what's going on in Bitcoin land. And that's not a conscious choice, obviously. And I don't think it is for most people to the extent that it's, that it's happening to others. It's just, it seems like the more logical thing. And as a result, I guess I feel increasingly drawn to it. And the, the other stuff is, seems less and less worthy of attention. I mean, what, what seems so interesting to me is that we all seem to be going through this same sort of hero's journey and developmental process of like this encounter with truth and what it means to reintegrate it into our lives. And like this recovery from nihilism, uh, it's so interesting because like proof of stake and fiat are literally the same thing insofar that they're both taking authoritarian decree over truth as a fundamental dictum of like how their systems function. And I find it so fascinating at how easy kind of that that wool is pulled over people's eyes and how uh i, I don't know I, I just find it i find it really fascinating at how poisonous this idea of authority over truth has been in augmenting the entirety of our world and so for me like the like watching this dumpster fire going on in clown world is it, it like is pretty funny to me because like this is this is the natural product of a world that has detached itself from truth 
and is just operating on top of raw authoritarianism as being its formulas of truth. And so I, I just find it really interesting and funny at how much this sort of infection of our minds has played out. And like the, the like wearing your mask in a car or whatever is like kind of the, the, the key to me is that like, I, I just feel like if we really sat down and talked with this person, that like at some point they're going to be like, well, I was told I'd get infected if I don't wear my mask. And, we, and like, that's the place where we go, look, dude, like you're literally like in a field by yourself. Like, how is it possible? And like, that's the place that they have to be like, oh, whoa, like I can, I can like think for myself and like not take what they're telling me as like the truth. Whoa. And so like, I think this is sort of what the whole world is coming to with terms of like what it means to have Bitcoin as an actual fixed supply. <laughs> you know, it kind of forces the truth back onto people. You mean, yeah, you don't think we need, it's... sorry. <laughs> sorry i'll just i'll just get this out there quickly i i feel like it's it's one like we see this over and over again and, and kind of the story of fiat money is so perfect because we we like there was this very or just this very complex seemingly complex and convoluted system was built on top of gold and you just have this this layers and layers and layers of complexity built on top of it and then you know just the the underlying reality was removed completely. And so so the the consequences are removed too. You know, like everything is is layered so deeply and you just have to kind of trust that the link to reality is still there. And and I feel like, you know, Bitcoin brings back these consequences and it brings back the it only works if you bear the responsibility of actually using it and holding your own keys and so on and so forth. I think that's that's such an underappreciated um, fact about it as well and it, it it brings back truth and it brings back this accountability as well i think it's so clear that in the current world we don't have any accountability like and there are no mm -hmm. consequences like there, there is no accountability to speak of for for any of the leaders so to speak it doesn't matter what they do and and also for the faceless organizations like the who or, or what have you like what will be i mean we saw this very clearly also in the, with the great financial crisis and the bailouts but like who landed in jail? What were the consequences? Who 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 was being held accountable for for the disaster? Absolutely no one. You know, nothing happened. And why would you, why would you change course if nothing ever happens? And that's why I I love the the current crypto meltdown so much because it's there are no no bailouts to speak of. You know, it's just like yeah, let it melt down. That's we need the forest fire from time to time. You know, if people do stupid thing, it should burn down and they should be held accountable and your your actual ponzi scheme should implode like this is what should happen in reality if you know if truth has any meaning then <laughs> things should actually burn down and so yeah I, I hope we 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 can return to something that has more immediate consequences and that you know makes account accountability great again yeah I, there's little doubt in my mind that that's what's going to happen and it's so exciting because you know, once you, you you look anywhere, and and what you just described is represented everywhere. You know, and like in, and and it's reached. I mean, this is why we have you know new quote unquote news organizations like Clown World News because it's just it's reached such a ridiculous extent that you can have like the head of the CDC or the NIH or pick your person and pick your industry and pick your you know faceless government institution, and they can sit in front of like a congressional committee, and they can be asked the most basic questions like, hey do you receive royalties from whatever it is you're pushing? 
I'm afraid I can't answer that. Or it's like, do you know this person? Like, uh, you know, does this person work for your organization? I'm afraid I can't answer that. Can you please tell me what a woman is? I cannot. Like, it's just so insanely fucked that when that, you know, that degree of truth comes back and where you can't so easily circumvent it and where where falsity does intermittently get burned to the ground and the the, uh, the phoenix of greater or denser truth rises again, what does that look like? You know, and, and obviously that's what we're all here for, to, to contribute to that and to see what it becomes. And I mean, because the world is like, tolerable still at the moment even though it's so insane like you know we all have lots of amazing experiences and there's many beautiful environments and all that kind of stuff despite all that insanity so just imagine when so much of that gets rectified from you know the very base layer and new institutions and new systems emerge on top of it that have built into it that degree of truth and as a result that degree of consequence to action and responsibility imagine how awesome that's going to be you know, how much better that's going to be than what we have today. I mean, like for me, this is if you if you keep pulling that thought out to me, like this is literally why it's messianic is because the turn that this causes for the entirety of humanity is such a dramatic and substantial opening that twofold. One is, is that I think unless this happens, there's no way to extricate man from the absolute nightmare that we've built. And not to mention it, how powerful and progressive uh, panoptic technology is. Like, I'm personally convinced if we don't reinforce the decentralized and censorship resistant aspects of the internet on a whole, utilizing Bitcoin, that like there's a very severe chance of us getting caught in a in, in a, a, a digital cage forever. In addition to the fact that now that Bitcoin has radically change the equation of violence within wealth so much so that it damages the state's capacity to be able to utilize violence to collect wealth like that that is a fundamental function shift forward that humanity has never seen before like the the westphalian nation state was like the best method we had to organize ourselves which was like okay like here's our boundary like i can kill or hurt or do whatever i want to anybody inside of these boundaries and like, you'll respect my boundaries and I'll respect your boundaries. And like, that was the best we could do. But like, now we have this method to essentially say, hey, here's our global collective. Here's the truth of the amount of wealth that I have as part of that collective. And you can't just beat the shit out of me and take it from me. Like there are, there's no method to be able to extract with that. Like that, that transforms everything in such a substantial and radical way. And to me, the best part is, is like it, it does that through the consequence of what truth returning to its rightful place is, which right now we have authority in the place of truth. And that's how we interact with the world is that that authority actually is truth. And that causes for this very radical schism in the world that has produced clown world as we understand and see it, you know? And to me, like the best joke of all is that like, you know, I, I've said this before that like, here we are like in the eighth layer of hell and at like the very bottom god's like hey check it out like i put this trap door here for you guys for you to discover so you can like you guys can just like get out right it's so good one of the things that encouraging may be the wrong word but you know more and more people seem to be coming to appreciate just how absurd things have gotten right and not not even necessarily along partisan lines although i think 
there's this shift toward red and there's probably going to be a big red wave in the U S and in the fall, because, you know, that's just, they're more along the lines of individual freedom and smaller government and, you know, less oppressive, less taxes, all that kind of stuff. So for that reason, I think people are maybe naturally gravitating more towards that, but in terms of like pointing out the absurdity of it all, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying like, all the people on TV are overly dramatic, uh, dramatized and, you know, they're partisan to some degree and blah, blah, blah. But I, I, you know, like I occasionally watch Tucker Carlson just because like, he's so funny, like the way he, his delivery points out the absurdity of it all. And he's, he seems to be really leaning into that even more lately where like, you know, his, his, especially his opening monologue is like, so much a performance of how absurd things have become. And it, it, he's the most popular mainstream media person on TV right now. So I think that speaks to like just how many people are starting to appreciate how absurd things are. And of course, as has always been the case, I mean, figuring out how to resolve that absurdity, you know, a lot of people, many different people have many different theories, but, um, you know, that's step one, right? People realizing that things are, are fucked up and then, you know, hopefully making their way to the Bitcoin rabbit hole is the most fruitful or pr productive way at resolving that. But I also think that, you know, the, the people that are loudest about um, whatever kind of insanity is the insanity of the day, <laughs> they, they are definitely not the majority. So I think, you know, they're... It, pointing out absurdity, I think, speaks to the silent majority in, in large part. I think most people um, are not, you know, part of the insanely woke leftist right. mob, for example. Right. And um, so there's something to be said about, I, I, I still kind of, it's very hard to figure out um, what's actually really going on <laughs> in the world, <laughs> because the, yeah. the, um, I mean, just online, for example, I, I always like this 1% rule of pick any online forum. It doesn't matter if it's Twitter or Reddit or some random forum or what have you. 99% of the people are not posting. They're just reading. So whatever you read online, it always comes from like 1% of the users. And that's just that's just a fact. Like this, this statistic more or less always, always holds. And I feel like a, a similar phenomenon is, you know, just the, the 24 hour news cycle and just the, the the system of news in general it's very much like um you know if, if you view the world as a, a biological organism and just like yourself you know like your whatever drives your attention it might not be truthful in the sense when when you hit your small toe in the middle of the night somewhere at the chair or at, at the table <laughs> when you go up to pee then you know everything it, it it seems like it's the most important thing that, that just happened to you that you, you you that you maybe maybe you broke your, your small toe but <laughs> that's, that's that's about the extent of it and your nervous system will completely go haywire and i feel like a lot of the the news is basically the nervous system of the world and it's it's not it's not a very truthful account of what's actually going on, so to speak. It, it, even if what is reported might be factually true in a sense, but the, the, how important is it for the world? How yeah. important are these things really?
Yeah, I mean, with how much different the the way the the news hyper focuses on these smaller aspects but completely disregards other things is is to me one of the most fascinating methods of how most people assemble their narratives and that what i find the most interesting is that even with how the news cycle operates uh if people you know news cycle says you know uh can't identify you know essentially like whatever the news cycle is focusing on it causes for dialogue to coalesce around that and so like the price hike eric yeah (laughs) exactly you know and well now people can be like well you know maybe it wasn't Putin's price hike. I don't disagree with that. But now, like, that's integrated in the dialogue that, like, Putin, maybe Putin has something to do with the price hike. And, like, meanwhile, like, uh, I don't know. It's like amazing to me that, that people are like, there are all these things that we, you know, we're spending money on. And yet, like, there's never any dialogue at all about how large our, like, the United States defense budget is. Like, never anywhere. Like, by any media organism, there's never, like, a larger discussion about how that's problematic and how we pay for it. And to me, like, this is, these are all the ways that the authoritarianism of fiat world comes into play. It's making us, you know, that's what, that's what has liberals be like, EGS is like how we solve the environmental problem. And I, and like, at the same time, I want to be like, motherfuckers, like the, the U.S. Defense Department is the largest polluter on the planet. Like what, like, let's talk about that if you want to deal with the environmental issue. And they're like, what? Like, no, no, it's, like it's coal companies that hate us and they hate you and they, they, they hate everything. And it's like, really, you just, you think there's just like these maniacal, hateful people out there that are, they're like, let's burn all the oil, kill the planet. We hate these people. No, you know, like it, it's just, it's pretty absurdist to me how much people want to believe. And I don't understand why that people are like, but the news is telling us the truth. Like, it's literally an apparatus that was designed to give you propaganda and to manipulate your thoughts. Like, why, why do you think that that would help you or inform you? Like, I, I just, I kind of struggle with seeing how people have that mindset. Um, I know this is redundant, but it's, it's just, it's all, it's all so perfect in every domain. I mean, Gigi always talks about how, like, there are no coincidences, especially in relation to Bitcoin. And, you know, that's seemingly more and more difficult to argue with but also in fiat land i mean look look who's at the top of the pyramid in in fiat land right now which is you know the president in biden like talk about things that it is not open for discussion in, in mainstream media like the man is clearly incapacitated to a fairly large degree right he's he's clearly has dementia or some form of psychological condition he's not operating at 100 percent, and he's just basically burning the whole thing down and you know there's no, there's no real discussion about it, and it's just a, it's such a perfect representation <laughs> what mean, of what's what, going are, on. Are you like a right wing conspiracy theorist, or what's yeah. going on? Like he's the perfect yeah. president, youthful, <laughs> insanely smart, <laughs> very coherent. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, I just, I think it's hilarious that you know, a hundred years from now, or whatever the period is, just imagine it, because you know, I've been watching a really great. Um, civil war documentary it's uh, the ken burns nine nine or ten part documentary on the civil war super interesting i, I kn- knew very little about that before um and there's lots of i think there's lots of important takeaways but you, when we look back on history now like at, at least we can somewhat you know we look at nazi germany and the rise of hitler and we go oh my god how, how, how did how did people let that happen but in most cases in history like 
it's not even that absurd. You can kind of see how like the dots came together that, you know, whatever happened, happened. And I just think they're, they're going to look back at, you know, this period of the last 50 years, the, the, the global fiat era, let's say, and they'll just like, they'll be beside themselves, unable to comprehend how things were allowed to go down the way they've gone down without more people noticing and, and doing something about it. It's, it's so absurd on so many levels. And I, I like, I'm a, I enjoy history and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I can't, I can't find a, like a, another period in history where it was so obvious that things were absurd, you know, and, and, and without, well, that things were allowed to progress like that, maybe with the exception of, you know, 1930s Germany, for example, but even then, I mean, you could maybe, maybe putting the dots together is easier. It's just, it's wild. I, and, and so I always make the joke, like, you know, a fucking fifth grade history student, you know, with a case study of what's going on today, will be able to more ably assess what, what went wrong than, you know, the brightest act fiat academic minds of today. I got to say like, it, it's really sad and messed up that we're like watching this whole course of like elder abuse go on. Like, like Joe Biden needs to like be in like a nursing home and like having people, you know, like reading him children's books and stuff. Like this is, this is pretty, pretty wrong in my opinion. But, uh, you know, like I, what I think is really amazing is that like in the 22nd century, when a, a kid, when like everybody's like looking at the fiat system and being like, how, like, how is this even possible you know, like, they'll be like, well, you see, like, when people have incentives that, like, aren't accountable to anything, like, you can kind of just make anything up and go with it if you can, like, convince other people of it, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be pretty crazy to try to come to terms with what this world has created. And again, this is why I think Bitcoin, again, is the cyanic, is that, like, this literally becomes this pathway for how we can kind of not only extricate ourselves from this mess, but, like, redirect a new way forward that's like sane and logical that like doesn't have to do with any of these really crazy positions that are predicated upon raw authoritarianism that like doesn't have roots and truth. Yeah. I still like, it still cracks me the fuck up when I watch that video of, and I, you know, hate to be someone who uh, laughs at the elderly who are unhealthy, but like, that thing where he's going up the stairs to air force one and he trips up like three times. I mean, it's just so mm. fucking hilarious. Like wonder if there were any like absurdist memes or something that could be categorized in a similar fashion during the fall of other empires. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if the, the fall of Rome was as, as lit in the meme department as, <laughs> as it is currently on the Western world. <laughs> I wonder that that'd be a good, like, you know, university thesis or something to try to go back to the, that period and find whatever representative <laughs> art or stuff was, <laughs> was done at out. the time. Yeah. Like, you know, sculptures or paintings and stuff that just pointed to the absurdity of what was going on. They're going to be so much smarter than us in, you know, 50 to hundred years time, which I suppose is most often the case, but given what we seem to be on the precipice of, it's going to be so much more dramatic and obvious, you know, just imagine having your, you know, your intellect, your consciousness, you know, growing up in a world and developing in a world that one is not so corrupted by, you know, all these effectively false corrupt institutions, you know, along the lines of the, characterized by the dynamic that Eric was talking about being predicated on authority, not truth. And then, 
having as all the different signals that you encounter on a daily basis, you know, thousands, if not millions of them that are just more truthful. And so that makes it that much easier to orient yourself in the world more truthfully and in more alignment with the values that you're trying to align with and trying to attract and, and move towards in life to have your ability to do that be so ameliorated by truthful signals that you encounter out in the interpersonal domain or in the market. I mean, like what kind of people is that going to develop, you know, better ones, I think, broadly speaking. For sure. And I mean like that, that recovery towards that is so important and it like unfolds this totally new and different reality, not to mention like the affect of those smart people, like utilizing truth to then create economic solutions for our future world. Like, you know, I feel this transformation of how we're capturing energy in this way, like I feel so confident that like we're, we're going to like make desalination a powerful and easy thing to do that like the ability for us to have much more high fluid transport is going to be available. Like there's just all these really cool things that are waiting to be unlocked with this new approach toward, towards the world that is once again, tethered towards truth, you know, and uh, the, so the idea of like the fifth grader looking back from the 22nd century, like I, I honestly got to think fiat will be looked at like as bloodletting. It'll, it'll just like seem so yeah. absurd. We'll be, yeah. it'll be like, wait, like people, people were literally like printing out money and like giving it to people with the expectation that like, that's just like free money that like doesn't affect the economy. And like, yeah, like that, that's what, the, <laughs> you know, that's what central banks told people that they could just give people lots of money and nothing bad would happen. And they'd be like, so like after, like very similar to bloodletting, after they had like, you know, bled out like three quarts of blood and they like died, did, was anybody like suspicious that like maybe this was like a bad thing? And we'll be like, well, you know, there was like Zimbabwe and Venezuela and like there was a cascading collapse of countries where eventually finally somebody was like, hey guys, like printing out lots of money is bad for the general economy. But, you know, we have to go through the current steps that we're in, which, you know, um, but that lesson what, is never, the UK. That lesson is never learned. I mean, it. Um, I mean, how many places? China, Weimar. It happened in the Civil War, actually. You know, the South basically, the Confederate currency was backed by nothing, and of course, they experienced inflation, and it was detrimental to the war effort and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's not. We keep repeating the same mistakes, right? Until we have a solution that that. Yeah. restrains us from doing so, which, you know, hope, hopefully we now have, which means we won't continue to make the same mistake in the future. But it's just so bizarre how the mistakes of history are just constantly repeated. Well, and that's yeah. why I think what's going on like this, this resolves something so important in history is because even when we we're on a hard money standard, it was like, all right, well, like, come on guys, like, let's get on our ship and go like murder all these natives halfway around the world so we can like steal their shiny yellow shit. And like, like, well, what's really fascinating is like that was all done through papal law too. Where like, you know, it was like literally cardinals being like, oh, okay, yeah, all oh, they're brown, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You guys, do, would you guys like to do some raping and pillaging there? Because like they're brown people, it doesn't matter. And they're like, yeah, yeah, like let, let's do that. And I mean, like that's part of this really, really fucked up world that we inherited. So the fact that we can now have this method to globally move beyond the ability for like groups of people to show up and rape and pillage everything away like that, that changes everything in a really, really important way. Um, 
And also like it, uh, what I love the most is just the goodness that's actually inherent in it. Like we all know that like raping and pillaging is wrong, yet there is still some small subclass of people that are like, well, if we can do it, why not? Which, you know, not to be too over the top of the comparison, but like that's sort of what crypto is in my mind. It's like, well, yeah, we can just like make money up and like make up some idea about how we need this token. Like, why shouldn't we do it? Like, it's not wrong. It's not like illegal. So, you know, yeah. And they literally can't connect the points on why that might be a problem. Yeah. It's a moral issue. Like I, I keep shilling uh, the book, yep. the ethics of money production, because it is, it is a moral and an ethical issue, you know, like just trying to print your own money and creating something, trying to create something out of nothing. And it's, that's why it's also linked to all the, um, you know, all the religious thoughts and ideas, because what's missing from all of this is the sacrifice that's required to actually get something, to actually produce something of value. You know, there is no, no value without sacrifice, basically. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, people obviously don't realize this because it, it sounds it sounds very good to get something without any sacrifice. You know, you just, yeah, let's just print it into existence. Let's, let's, let's just make it up and, and bring it into being by fiat or by authority. And I mean, <laughs> I, I still, again, coming back to the meme idea, how the silver lining of it all is that the memes are very lit. <laughs> and so someone just <laughs> did a remix of the hard times, um, create strong men, strong men, create good times, good times, create weak men and weak men create hard times. And it, it showed the four stages of, you know, the, the, the fall of Rome and uh, the decline of civilization and, and all the rest of it. And it, it went like, bear markets create bitcoiners and bitcoiners create bull markets and bull markets create shitcoiners and shitcoiners create bear markets (laughs) (laughs) and it's basically that sums it up very nicely (laughs) but this is kind of why i say like i'm I'm almost at a loss for saying what i'm pumped or excited about these days because like moving towards that future is all and i think Gigi, you've, you've said this a bunch right like a lot of us are just acting you know, hyper-Bitcoinization is here. It's just not evenly distributed, right? And just acting like that's the world you already live in and just trying to explore it and contribute to it and use it is what seems most compelling, you know, and to stop using the the decrepit fiat system as like, like a comparison or a, as though, you know, again, like I said earlier, as though it's like somehow relevant. Like I know it's still relevant in all of our lives, but like, I don't know. I, I'm struggling to find the proper way to articulate it, but it, it it's increasingly challenging to ascribe to it relevance. The bigger the Bitcoin parallel system becomes and the more rich it becomes and the, the, the more people that come into it and the more varied perspectives and ideas and capabilities that it develops, you know, it's just, it becomes so, so, so compelling that wanting to, comment or pay attention to the the alternative uh becomes less and less interesting i mean isn't that like isn't this the point like the the point isn't to like make us all rich and then you know we go off the rich bitcoiners it's to give us a different method and approach to the world that's more meaningful to us and so like i i think like with us being like in hyper bitcoinization land for ourselves like we have passed the event horizon that like is Bitcoin. We like 
we like can't go back out into that other world, nor do we want to. And like all of the things that we have are here and needed for us. And to me, like now, like part of the nitty gritty, it's like the fun part of it. Like finding other people to interact with who want to buy and sell Bitcoin with you, who want to give you their goods and services for Bitcoin, who just want to talk about what it means to have a money system that's meaningful, what it means to feel empowered against a fiat money system that takes advantage of us. You know, I, I think this is all the really fun stuff that gets produced, uh, like by its own momentum. And so it's really exciting for me to. <clears throat> Yeah, just see this going on. And particularly with like shitcoin land burning. Uh, like this is my favorite part of people being like do, you, like, do you think Ethereum like won't won't work? And I'll be like, yeah, like it's totally going to fail. Like you sell it all, like join us. And have them be like, yeah. I mean, like my my main mission is like, I want to convert Metallic. He like knows it. Like he knows that this isn't going to work. And he knows that he's made this gigantic kerfuffle. And it's okay, man. Just like, like dump it. Like, like we won't, we don't hold it against you. And the best is like, you're going to be selling into JP Morgan and all these other people to like dump all your ETH for Bitcoin, join it. You're like a good developer. You could be helpful. And like your story of returning from, from the shitcoin arc would be really great. So Vitalik, if you happen to see that, come join us. Like, well, we forget you. He's great you know, at marketing. I'm not, I'm not even sure if he's a good developer. I, I, I highly doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't want to say this, that or the other, but all I want to say is just like abandon your shitcoin. It's okay. Like we all make mistakes. And like, I, I want that space to be open for Vitalik to know that he can abandon ETH and just come back to Bitcoin. You know, you'll, you'll, it'll be a little tenuous at first, but eventually people will welcome you. Actually, this, this makes me wonder, like, do you guys think people have committed like the ultimate sin, like there or uh, right? Like, could, could they ever return or is it, is it, there no opportunity? I think they're, they're some of the few people that like can't return. <laughs> I mean, of course they can. Any, anyone can return and use Bitcoin. If, if, if every single Bitcoiner would, you know, <laughs> forgive them and welcome them with open arms, I think that's a different issue. But I think it's also, I mean, it's part of the, the, the messianic aspect of it, you know, like complete forgiveness. Like Bitcoin cannot hold a grudge against you. It just can't. <laughs> you will always be welcome. You can always use it. There is no no barrier to entry, no, no matter your sin, basically. But I, I think I think there are um, some people that will have a very very hard time of um, being welcomed with with open arms by you know some of the more hardened maximalists. I would say. I think what people would look for in those cases is uh, is this person like being honest about their repentant repentance basically you know and <laughs> or do you want to just you know dump again on retail for uh, yeah 3.0 <laughs> yeah exactly but i mean this is what i love about the culture that's emerging around this and it's no wonder that a culture like this would emerge around such a pristine form of immutable truth that like all the toxicity and all the memes and stuff like i see it so much of it, just trying to figure out what people's character is like like, is this person being honest? Is this person acting with integrity? Is this person, you know, sufficiently humble to this thing? And the people that aren't, it be, you know, they get, they get stung or they get burned, or at least it becomes evident. And it, on the one hand, you might say like, well, who are those people to judge those people? And you're right. It's like, they're not, but who cares? They're imperfect too. And, and they're doing some judging. And what it reveals is the truth of character oftentimes. And it's great because the one, like pretty much all like, care to do on my podcast these days is like just talk to random bitcoiners out there because it's never been the case that they haven't been awesome 
you know, they like, they just, they come in and they get it and, and they're humble and they're honest and they're, they're committed to learning about this thing and contributing in some way. And they're excited about the potential it represents. And it's just like, it, it's, it's both sucking in a certain type of people and, and reorienting people toward truth, toward more fruitful engagement with one another, with, you know, reality itself, that it's just like, that is so much the rub. And it's so evident when people are like that and when people are not like that. And when they're not, usually it has something to do with, it seems to me, at least from my perspective, an excess of ego, a lack of humility, a, uh, you know, disincentive of, of some kind, why they're not, you know, fully learning about it and being kind of transformed by it. So, so great to see that. And I spoke to this guy yesterday, actually, Captain Sid, I think is his handle on Twitter. And um, he's driving a motorcycle across America and, and, oh, yeah. and going to as many Bitcoin meetups as he can, you know, and of course I asked him like, well, you know, what's it been like just hanging out with Bitcoiners all the time and meeting all these people. And, you know, unsurprisingly, his answer was, it's awesome, man. People are so humble, so generous, so, uh, you know, stimulated by what's going on, want to have interesting, deep conversations, want to share what they've learned, want to share their home with me, want to, you know, and like, how awesome is that? I mean, that that's what, what could be better than that? And it, and that's, uh, not the cost of entry, but like by whatever means people are able to in, like enter this culture, that's whatever, whatever filter is there. I mean, like in order to do so, that's what the result is. And it's hard. That is such a good result that it, it's hard for me to criticize the method by which the, the filter is constructed, you know, and I, I'm kind of referring to like the criticism of toxicity and maximalism and stuff that often pops up, but I don't know. It's uh, I think I, I fucking love it. I have a lot of I, I still have a lot to say about the the toxicity part, and also you know what you're describing, John, is just if you're part of a cult or like a small uh, church, uh, like a small <laughs> denomination of a church, you don't have friends all around the world. Like that's that's not very surprising to me. <laughs> you can go anywhere and you, you you'll be welcome. But speaking to the toxicity, it's really. Um, I mean, Robert spoke about this, that uh, th there used to be a time where toxicity was very much needed and now it's not so much needed anymore. And I, I vehemently disagree with that. Yeah. And, and I've yeah. said it in the past because it's the thing is that no one can define Bitcoin or tell you what it is. or, or uh, And I've also said this in the past, but more importantly, what Bitcoin should be. And we will, we will have this conversation many times over, like what yeah. Bitcoin should be in the future and what kind of soft forks should be activated and, and um, you know, perpetual like, inflation. Yeah. For example, you know, like, oh, we need a, yeah, <laughs> a, a tail emission for the security budget and so on, yeah. you know, like th those discussions always, always come up and, you know, like we need to redistribute Satoshi's coins and so on. And so, so yeah, exactly. That's why we need people like Eric, you know, that's why we need <laughs> people that take this stuff ser seriously. And, and if you take something seriously, you, you're a toxic asshole. I mean, there, this is the line in the sand and this, this line will not be crossed. Like, saying no and meaning it like that's part of of of, of what of what it means you know like it's not always bad to be uh, kind of strict about things and also you know to to really mean it and a lot, for a lot of people you will come across as toxic and you will come across as an asshole 
but it's also that you know ridicule has its place too you 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 will have to ridicule people because it's it's you you, you cannot i mean ridicule definitely has its place and and people that people that bring up arguments that have been refuted in bitcoin talk forums in like you know 2011 they need to be ridiculed it's it's just how 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 much how much like you know how patient can you be like there is no time to explain the same fucking thing over and over and over and over again and in the meanwhile like 25 different books have been written about your stupid argument and why it's wrong and so i'm going to ridicule you because you've been around for years and you should be smarter than that and uh, yeah it's it's just the fact that there is no authority that can tell you what bitcoin is and what it should be is why we need toxicity always and just because you know you feel like toxicity is not needed anymore because you've been around now for many years and you kind of understood the various aspects and you have your own idea of what bitcoin is and what it should be does not mean that we don't need toxicity anymore like the, there will be attacks i think we're in the middle of of all kinds of attacks just the the, and again, coming back to the, the terminology and the words we use in Bitcoin and the, the linguistic attacks on Bitcoin, um, it's currently on top of my mind because I, I've been writing about it. And again, I, I, I really hope to release this soon. But just the, all the talk about unhosted wallets, like we, we need way more toxicity, not less. Like that's such a stupid phrase. And it's, it's such a linguistic attack on Bitcoin. It, it, it makes it seem as if a wallet should be hosted. You know, it's like right. an unhosted wallet. It's like, it's like such a dirty thing. Like you, you, you shadowy super coders and your unhosted wallets. It's like, no, fuck you. Like a wallet should be unhosted. There's only notes and there is no such thing as a hosted wallet. It's like a slave wallet. A hosted wallet is a slave wallet and it's an account. It's an account at Coinbase. And we don't want to, we don't want to <laughs> go back to this, to this world of, of, you know, dependence and permission systems and, you know, a master-slave relationship where you don't have any rights and you don't have any control, you don't have any sovereignty. It's 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 such a. I mean, all those kind of things. Also, you know, of course, the change the code bullshit. It implies that the code cannot be changed. You know, <laughs> it's fucking free and open source software. You can change it. The first two seconds, this whole discussion should have been over. Change the fucking code. Just do it. Like run your own version. If you if you're out of consensus, there you go. You're part of the zoo of shitcoins of like 5 million shitcoins that are out of consensus with Bitcoin. You know, there are plenty out of consensus forks with Bitcoin. Go ahead, create your own, change the code, run proof of stake Bitcoin. I mean, it exists already. People don't, don't know probably that, you know, <laughs> proof of stake versions do exist. You're free to run it. We won't because we are the toxic assholes that won't change the rules no matter what. You know, I've, I've said it in the past. Like I won't, I won't change the consensus parameters uh, uh, the consensus rules to something i don't want to change them to doesn't matter what you do you can you can come knocking at my door first of all find me then find my my note and then try to get it to try to get me to change it like i want to see you try and and that's that's what toxicity implies as well it's very much needed like <laughs> i mean <laughs> people have wrote this in the past you know layer layer one of bitcoin is toxicity bitcoin runs on toxicity because bitcoin gives you the power to say no it gives you the power to say fuck you no i i won't run your rules i will run my my rules fuck you very much thank you and mm -hmm. and so i i vehemently disagree that we like but the last thing that we need is to play nice with everyone because that that that's what that's what <laughs> that's the road that leads straight into hell in the first place it's like no try to understand the thing try to understand what's at stake and then do whatever you want to do, run your own rules and say no to everything else. That's Bitcoin.
totally agree with all interesting that. I, I feel like one is I feel like calling it toxicity is part of that linguistic attack vector. Cause it's not yeah, toxic absolutely. at all. It's just, it's radical truth, you know, and I'm sorry that you don't like how this truth leaves you feeling, but that's what it is. Um, and I think like, this is part of the inflection of fiat world is that like, we, we love soft lies that make us feel better. Like that, that's a huge part of fiatism and why we, utilize authoritarianism because you know a great example again with me coming back to you know as always the the u.s industrial military industrial complex and the people they murder is that like that that makes people really uncomfortable to be like hey like our government actively kills brown children and doesn't hold people responsible for it like that a lot of people are like oh god that makes me feel really uncomfortable i don't want to talk about that and and like you could say that that's the same vein of toxicity. It, it's these forms of truth that uh, are really hard for people to get their handles yeah. around, and so they they would rather go into comfortable lies than harsh truths. And I think uh, yeah, that that idea that it's toxic, you know, and like you're saying, Gigi, we can't we can't keep rehashing the issue for the same people. And so for me, a lot of times, Bitcoin's just this intelligence test to see like are people smart enough to be able to think for themselves or or not. And like, if the answer is no, like, okay, like come back in five years after you've suffered enough punishment. But if you're interested, like, come on board, we'll, we'll help you. We'll teach you. We'll tell you about all of the reasons and how it works. But, you know, same thing with, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the whole world is awash in, in these lies and in this euphemisms, you know, we are not, we're not. I mean, you spoke about, uh, um, you know, the the military industrial complex and, and the things that are going on there. And, and it's it's very apparent that they're not talking about killing. It's it's going to be like collateral damage, you know, or it's like uh, it's, it's, it's a defensive move, you know, like a preemptive strike is a defensive move and so on. And it's <laughs> OK. Yeah, yeah. You, you just to use your your terms, you know, you just bombed a bunch of brown people. And that's what you did. You know, it was not, it was not, a, it was not a, like whatever you want to call it. And I, also what you, what you said previously that calling it toxicity is also, uh, you know, this linguistic trick and this linguistic attack already very much like maximalism. Bitcoin maximalists did not come up with the phrase maximalism. It was fucking Vitalik, you know, fucking Vitalik Buterin of Ethereum was like, <laughs> oh, you, you, you maximalists, you know, like you, you need to be open-minded to my Ponzi scheme and you need to have an open mind for the whole sphere of, you know, cryptocurrencies that might emerge and so on. And why, why are you so toxic? Why are you so, you know, steeped in maximalism? And, and it's, and I wrote about this in the past as well, you know, like monetary maximalism is a very logical, very reasonable conclusion that you arrive at once you understand the properties of money and the history of money and like in a free market environment, mon money is singular, you know, money is unitary, money is like one thing you don't have naturally occurring, like 25,000 different monies, you just don't, it's one thing. <laughs> And so if, if, you, if you obviously have one thing that has superior monetary properties above all the other things, then this thing will become money and it's very reasonable to be a maximalist. And, and it's, it's like, that's already where, you know, a, a linguistic attack was launched years ago. And of course, you know, like Bitcoiners were like, okay, I guess I'm a maximalist. And so fuck you and I'm toxic too. <laughs> so that's one, one way to deal with it. But just, I, I, I really hate how, 
how I mean it's Brandolini's law, right? Where where it takes just one thousand times the effort to refute all the bullshit, and you also you're also kind of forced to you're forced into this framing. Just talking about the fucking unhosted wallets forces you to say unhosted wallet and and open up the discussion about you know like having custodians and having hosted wallets in the first place. Like we shouldn't have this discussion. I feel like you know it's it's <laughs> we should we should <laughs> I I would much rather talk talk about the the very real challenges of making um, non-custodial solutions more or less the default you know and and uh, of course you know like that's a very um, optimistic borderline utopian scenario but still you know the bitcoin only works because of its non-custodial nature if we like <laughs> if we if if everyone just has a coinbase account we're back to central banking and we don't need bitcoin in the first place so it's uh, it it just it all wraps me the the wrong way because it's such it's such um it's so infuriating that again you know like you you just make up the framing and you make up these words and then you throw it out there and it's it's enough to confuse most people and it's enough to you know to, to get legislations passed, for example, in the European Union, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to ban uh, unhosted wallets, whatever that means, you know, 12 words in your head, it's, it's illegal to have it, you know, it's like, I have a brain wallet, it's 12 <laughs> words in my head, I'm now a criminal. And it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's completely laughable. But the same goes for, you know, bans on proof of work mining, you know, okay, I can't sit down in my room and pull out a piece of paper and do some do some hashes is this already illegal like where's the line you know how how efficient do i need to be how many hashes per second do i need to do until i become a criminal until i land, land in jail it's it's so insane man yeah and i, I think this I makes think... me think about like a I, I was just gonna say like it makes me think about like a kafka-esque story about like you know you start with like you're like being interrogated we're like we know that you have a bitcoin what like like tell us it and you're like no i don't like just being stuck in this place of like how do you how do you prove that you don't have the Bitcoin that you've been accused that you don't have? Like, exactly. how does that? I don't know. How does that words? Please, yeah, you please, know, normal lashes. <laughs> well, sorry. Like, we know you have this. Like, but how? You know, it's, I, I don't know. Like, it, to me, this is such a product of that. Like, we're going to keep going to these more and more extreme places until people finally realize, like, how silly this all is. You know, like, it, the, you, you use the word accountability towards our system earlier. And I find it so fascinating that like, like literally there is no accountability within the fiat system. Like you, you can't do accounting around it because you find these <laughs> fundamental mathematical errors in it where you're like, oh, like where'd all this money come from? And they're like, oh, well, we just produced it out of nothing because, you know, like we can do that and it works. And it's like, what? Like how, how does that work? You know, it occurs to me Ridiculous. when you guys are speaking that because there is such an effort to control the frame of whatever the issue is. Right. And that's like the people that attempt to control are the ones that are trying to frame things up in a certain way. And it's almost and as you pointed out, like maximalism, the, the term is another example of that it's because like it seems like when when truth attempts to break the frame, then it's derided in some way. You know, in this case, it's 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 labeled maximalism and that's why it's so important right because i think as you both kind of alluded to or said like what we're most concerned with is truth of a matter and if it if it can't like come through the frame if it can't be expressed in its most raw and unadulterated form then we're missing something and we're likely missing something incredibly important 
So let it all fucking hang out, right? Free speech maximalist. Let things be said and don't try to frame them up in any which way. And then each individual have both the responsibility and the humility to be able to parse it, to be able to determine what's useful and what's not, what's good and what's bad. Like leave that up to the individual, not some pre-constructed agenda-driven frame. You know, and to your point, Eric, about, you know, the we were saying earlier about how like the fiat system, there's no consequences, right? You can, you can kind of do whatever you want. And I think that's, that's built into the culture, whether it's like, you know, the military industrial complex bombing Brown people, or, you know, your average person in a, in a fiat society, they're, they're, they're kind of shielded from consequence. And what is good about truth breaking through is bringing back at least some form of social consequence, let's say, to that domain so that like people can actually call out things that they believe to be wrong or they believe to be bullshit or they believe to be a mischaracterization of things so that the people, cause like good and bad in, in a fiat world. And this is a bit of a oversimplification, but it seems like it's almost like if you can get away with it, it's good. That's kind of like the, how it works. And I think Bitcoin by virtue of what it is and how it's changing people is bringing back a, a very strong moral dimension to our social world. And that's going to be, cause it's not like people wake up and decide I am going to fucking do some maximalism or toxicity today and like, make sure that I keep people well, in speak, check. Speak for yourself, John. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't do your mirror exercises in the morning. That's like, but, it's like but, first thing I do is get it. Much of this, you're much, much of this, perhaps Gigi excluded is like, is inspired, right? It, it, it's not, it, it happens almost subconsciously or naturally. And I think this is a return of more, more rigid, maybe that's the wrong word, but like a, a stronger moral dimension returning to the world where before it was all just relative power driven stuff. Like when, when people are, have that degree of freedom. And when the people can't be so easily coerced and controlled and all that kind of stuff, one of, I think it's natural to expect that a stronger, a stronger moral dimension to society and interpersonal relationships should emerge. And I think it's being represented in this culture around Bitcoin. And I'm extremely glad for that, that there's a growing chorus of people that feel that they have the capability and the confidence and the license to say, fuck you to whatever it is, that they think is an injustice or wrong or something. And I've made the point before, like they're doing it being an imperfect person themselves. Right. So we have to just accept that you can't like just dismiss them to dismiss what they're, they're doing, what they're calling out because, Oh, they're imperfect too. Then you, you don't get ever any signal, but you just have to accept that. Like there's going to, that's going to be a part of what's coming through. But I, I like, I think, all of this is going to coalesce into a greater form of social consequence that, that than we currently experience in the, you know, in a, in a hyper Bitcoinized world. And I think that's a good thing so that when something happens, that's wrong, it can be more vocally called out and it can't be so easily dismissed or swept under the rug or reframed in a way that's conducive to it. The wrong being perpetuated, let's say. I think that sure. the, the basis that uh, our Western society is is, is uh, founded upon, right? I mean, it's it, in in the current fiat world. Basically, the thesis is that the individual is stupid. So I I have to <laughs> right, right. 
Yeah, I have to tell you what to think and I have to take care of absolutely everything. And of course, we have the nanny state. And uh, I mean, you know, like the, 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 there was quite a good uh, book written a couple of years ago. Um, I don't remember the author, but it was the, the Calling of the American Mind. And I, I think that the title is so perfect because the, it, it's not only that our, our bodies are coddled, but also our minds are coddled. And you're not like, you're, 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 the opposite of self-sovereign <laughs> and also the whole system is set up in a way that you you that that it stays this way you know like the whole system is set up that you um basically enslave yourself towards it like everyone is in in that all the time you're caught in the hamster wheel all the time um you're not free to do <laughs> what you want at all you have to ask for permission about absolutely everything there's another great book um, about uh, uh you know some farming stuff and i think the title is everything i want to do is illegal and that sums it up very nicely as well you know like where just you want to uh, sell some raw milk to someone else one of your friends no that's illegal i'm sorry you know it's jail for you <laughs> and, and that's that's kind of the environment we we, we live in and, and to your point um it's it's interesting that it kind of, you know, morphed into this because the kind of the still the root of our legal system is that that, that your your soul is basically holy and you have free will. You know, like you can think for yourself and you can decide for yourself, and you act and these actions have consequences and we are gonna make you accountable for for whatever you did. And I mean that's that's the whole basis of our legal framework is rooted in these Christian values. I mean, you know, that's yeah. of course, that's something that Peterson points out all the time. And still we, we managed to, even though we still have this kernel, we, we build up all those layers of apparent security and these layers of, uh, yeah, just things that remove this responsibility and accountability further and further from the individual. And with this, we also, you know, remove the the, the freedom that, that comes with it. Like the, the freedom and res responsibility are always like, they're two sides of the same coin. If if you want to have freedom, you need to take responsibility, so to speak. And it's it's interesting. I, I always loved how, how Bitcoin breaks this back. Like if you're not responsible, if you don't take the responsibility in Bitcoin, you are not using Bitcoin. It's not your Bitcoin. It's not your keys, it's not your coin. Like you, you have to be responsible for holding your own keys or you're holding an IUU. It's not, it's not Bitcoin what you're doing. Same goes for running a node and so on. It's, it's someone else's Bitcoin, someone else's idea of Bitcoin. So if you want to hold Bitcoin yourself and have an idea of Bitcoin yourself, you need to run your own, your own node and you need to hold your own keys. Like that's, that's the minimum kind of. And I think it's, it's, it's really funny how these very, um, profound ideas are reintroduced these values are reintroduced by the by by ways of operation by the way the system operates by the, the by the way the system is set up like you're forced to take responsibility for yourself so to speak i mean what's interesting is you just described a proof of stake system where literally you give the responsibility towards other people to keep and track the system and that you know you have custodial accounts and all that stuff and but that's what our legal system is. It has like all these layers of the proof of stake. But what's interesting is that because of the way it was built, that like there is this rhizome at the very center of our legal system that still respects the sovereignty. Well, I don't want to say it respects, but it reserves a place for the freedom of choice of the individual, despite all of the apora of, of law around it. 
And it's pretty interesting because like, I think that's the, that's the rhymosome that's going to help rescue us and allow for us to return to a world where we're not, where everything isn't predicated on this proof of stake system, but that like, we actually need to return to a proof of work system for everything. I, I feel like we're, we're very close to everything becoming so ridiculous that even the legal system would break down. Like just uh, let's entertain the thought for a bit, you know, like you go around as a man with a penis raping a bunch of raping a bunch of people and then you transition and you identify as a woman after you're being caught are you still kind of liable for <laughs> what you did is it is it offensive to to even you know <laughs> have to answer the legal system yeah like i mean we're, we're we're very we're very unmoored. close to this <laughs> yeah we're like the 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 mooring seems like it's about to break because because to your point i mean i think the the legal system and peterson as you said makes this point all the time stems from the deeper spiritual system you know of wisdom that underpins it and part of that is the divine sovereignty of the individual and that's been attempted to be built into a legal framework and it seems to be coming very unhinged you know and it's kind of the it almost reinforces the validity of that base layer truth that like reality just like continues to bring us back to it. Hopefully that's the case, you know, because it's like you motherfuckers, you threw this shit off and now things are going awry. I'm going to have to spit out another version that's even more like obvious for you in the form of Bitcoin, right? Like there's something that literally reinstantiates these things and helps to get you guys back together in a way that re recognizes once again, the central importance of these truths, you know, that are represented in, the Christian story and others around the world, you know? And so, and maybe that's always the case, right? Maybe it's, maybe part of the evolution of that idea is the, is the aspect that it, it has to be recognized, used for a time, fall into disarray as a result of changing systems of representation and the evolution of consciousness and the evolution of culture and all that kind of stuff to be reinstantiated once again in a form that's more applicable to the state of those three things and likely more in the current era. And that's just rinse and repeat cycle of humanity. Yeah. And I mean, I, I won't be surprised to, you know, Drew Banzel writes about this, so, you know, like in 200 years when we're on Mars, you know, like people will be like spiting Bitcoin and being like, we need, we're like, we need our new system to like return to the Martian kind of truth. You know, I'm like, I think that this is part of the process. And I think that the key is, is that when new technology is introduced, that ontologically transforms humans because to me like what's so important about bitcoin is that this transforms how we interact with the world on a total and what it means to be human in our world particularly and so like the understanding of what bitcoin gives us in our current world fundamentally transforms us as human beings because we can interact with the world in a different way yeah. and that's what's so important and i think that we'll have there will be other technological advancements just like that in the future, you know, and that because, you know, we can have nuclear power at our house, all reactors that allow for us energy sovereignty, well, that will transform the world again in a very substantial way. And so I think that it, it's really about integrating these pieces of technology and how they allow for us to return to a form of life that's closer to truth because of the way that that piece of technology assists us 
And that's pretty interesting about Bitcoin is that most technologies usually alienate us farther from ourselves, but Bitcoin is one that, that actually returns us closer to our source of truth, I think. Why do most technologies alienate us from ourselves? Just because of the, the way that it usually makes us become farther away from who and how we are. Because they distract us or they, they deliver too much gratification or. I think, I think usually it distracts us and well, actually I don't even want to say distracts us, but that it, uh, it sort of covers up the nature of truth towards things. Like a good example is you using that microphone right there. There's all kinds of technology and things within that, that, you know, you don't have an understanding of and not to say that you couldn't, acquire scaffolding to get closer to it but that you know there, there's all these tertiary processes involved that you don't necessarily know or understand how to identify and so when we attach to those various things that sort of estranges us the same way that i can turn on the tv and sort of forget about who i am or that i can just open my refrigerator and get food like i don't have to be attached to the process of getting food i don't have to be attached to the process of you know how this image comes to me and so I think that, and this is something that Heidegger kind of gets into is, is how technology kind of pushes us farther and farther away to become more and more inauthentic. And then I think Bitcoin's kind of the one piece of technology that almost trans turns all of that on its head. And I think that's why we see these very extreme dichotomies within Bitcoin where, uh, you know, like it's, it's a language that can't be spoken to and that we can only read. And yet somehow it speaks a more profound truth to us than anything before. Did I, I just totally I just, lose you on that? No, no. I just started reading Heidegger because you kept uh, referring to him all the time. And I'm uh, sorry. I, I, I ordered the books um, quite a while ago. Um, I'm, I'm privileged enough to to be able to read them in, in, in the German original, but I'm, I'm not far along, uh, like I'm not very far along yet into the Heidegger journey, but I, I have some, some thoughts around the, the whole <laughs> question <laughs> concerning technology. I think it's really funny how some things are still considered technology and many things aren't. And I always feel like everything we still call technology is still not integrated yet it's still too new you know like it's and not we don't consider a knife technology anymore kind of you know for example there, there are many things that that are just part of human life human nature whatever or fire or what have you you know like it's <laughs> you know, we just take it for for granted so to speak and it's it's going to be interesting to see this play out um over longer time frames, like what kind of things get integrated? Will will we integrate? Because for me, Bitcoin is kind of it is this weird thing that is it is very very technological in one sense, but it's it's also not. It's it, in, and the, the way I mean it is like you can actually lock yourself into a room and flip a coin two hundred and fifty six times, and you'll have a valid private key at the end of it. Basically, you know, like it is very primitive in some aspects. And, uh, you know, just generating a private key and, and uh, deriving an address from it is not very, very difficult. I mean, there is some complex math involved and so on, but you can actually do it by yourself with, piece of, uh, like with a coin and, and, and a pen and a piece of paper. And then you can receive Bitcoin. And it's, it's, it's this weird thing that 
that I think most people think of it as very, very high tech, but I'm not even sure if it's true. It's very brute force tech kind of. <laughs> yeah. It, well, what you're getting at is that like, it's, uh, it, it, it's almost like we were, we have to go, go to a language that's much, much more extreme vis-a-vis -vis cryptography. And, and the extremeness of that is to be able to uh, like get such a high res view into what's going on that like we can only speak in statements of truth either in you know uh like yeah yes this is a valid signature or no it's not a valid signature and we need the extremeness of of this language if you will so that there's no possible ways to misinterpret it because to me that's the this is the major problem of our current world with our current forms of language is that everything gets lost in translation because they there, there just aren't complex enough words to be able to convey what we want in addition to the etymological and philosophical or and philological misinterpretation of things. And so like this is this is why we had to go to a place of having this very, very extreme language to solve this very simple problem. And it turns out that this very simple problem like is the key human problem that has plagued humanity for you know the last millennia at least and so i i, I find it really fascinating if, if you're reading heidegger's the question concerning technology i think he does the, a good job of kind of flushing out this idea of that technology is designed to try to get us closer to the truth and yet because of the current world that we live within we're almost so alienated from it because of its extreme forms that i kind of think it all ties back together vis-a-vis -vis bitcoin but you know, this is, this is all just kind of my wild thoughts reading this crazy shit. <laughs> they sound pretty, I, pretty good to me. <laughs> I love how you uh, keep referring to Bitcoin as, uh, as a language, which uh, I, I think is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not only metaphorically true, it's literally true. And I, I mean, I wrote about this at length in, in alienable uh, property rights where, you know, it's Bitcoin is this, this language game that is ongoing and, uh, what I mean by that is it, it's not round based. It's, it, it just goes on forever and you just know you, you need to utter the right phrases and then something will happen. And like the only way to play it is to play valid moves very much like correspondence chess, you know, like every invalid move will be dismissed immediately. It doesn't matter if you, if it's an invalid block or an invalid transaction or, or what have you. And so, so you need to be able to speak the language. There are only certain moves are allowed and it's all text all the time. And it's just, I mean, in the end, it's just computers crunching numbers and sending these numbers around. And we represent it as, you can represent it as in, in different forms. And uh, yeah, you, you just send around these words and <laughs> they're basically moves in this game and they're either valid or they're not. And it's very easy to discern if something is valid or not. And that's the way it works. And it turns out we can use this as money. And it turns out it's the, the best money that ever existed. And it's, it, it, it opens up all these questions. I'm, I, uh, I, will, I will also talk about this soon, about the, the paradoxes of, uh, uh, of Bitcoin. Like it's all paradoxical, par very paradoxical to its core. Yeah. And it's, it's like, <laughs> okay, what is, what is Bitcoin? Like, okay, it's money, but was it always money? Um, can it be money if it's just text all the time? Like every aspect of Bitcoin is text. And it obviously was not money in the beginning. Like it had zero value in the beginning. Like the first couple of transactions that were done in Bitcoin, they, they had zero monetary value. 
And so Bitcoin obviously became money. And but when did this happen? And and kind of how important is it? Because it is this crypto economic system and it needs to be money to secure itself. So was it very insecure in the beginning? And it's like, well, you still had the security of cryptography, but you don't you did not have the security of you know the, the crypto economic system. And it's it's all very um, yeah, very weird to say the least. Well, and like all these etymological collisions that happen too, that like we're, we're talking about its value and that like it doesn't have monetary value, but it does have this cryptographic value. And that like, to me, this is all the very interesting stuff because like we're, we're actually interacting and, and dealing with this ontological question of value itself. But because we live in fiat world where like the idea of value is completely and absolutely fucked, that like most people literally don't understand what value itself is. So like, here's this encrypted form of value that's more important than any other value that's came before. And it's only through this like interacting and poking at it that we're like, oh shit, like it turns out that like, this is this extremely substantial form of value because like I can't manipulate it or change it like in any way, you know? And at first it's like, well, can I hack it? Like, you know, and then eventually you get all the way to the place where you're like, okay, so like I'm a nation state and I have like a full defense budget and I want to like launch a full scale attack on Bitcoin. And you're like, oh shit, even, even now I can't transform it. And it's like that moment of recognition itself is like the shifting around value entirely where you go, oh, like value isn't this like fiat number that's created, but it's like the substantialness of the truth in the world and what that value unveils. And to me, like, again, this is kind of the slapstick funny thing is that like by you raising all these questions and interacting with Bitcoin, it starts to ontologically interact with you where you discover new things about yourself and what value actually means to you. Yeah, 100 percent. And along those lines, I mean, isn't it incredibly fascinating that because that, you know, call it money, but call it much more than money is so relevant and intertwined with so many things that initially it's like to understand Bitcoin, you need to understand the world. You need to understand so many different aspects of how the world functions. And then it becomes a process of you're no longer, that mechanism is no longer just inspiring you to understand the world, but it's actually requiring that you reimagine the world. And as a result, reimagine yourself because it's not, it's not just a mechanism for gaining clarity about how the world works. It's introducing or inviting an, a new way for the world to work. And that means that you who were formerly someone who came to conceptualize yourself in a prior conception of the world now needs to be upgraded for a newer conception of the world. And I think this is part of what fosters like the voracious appetite for, you know, going down all these different tributaries of the rabbit hole to try to, again, not only figure out how the world works and what Bitcoin is, but how the world might or could look as a result of of what Bitcoin is or like, you know, the coalescing conception or of what Bitcoin is or might be. And, you know, and Eric, you're like diving into Heidegger and stuff. And that was Heidegger wrote that piece that you sent me like a few months back. Right. Yeah. I think, and, I think it was Heidegger. I, and like, I need to preface that like Heidegger's really fucking hard. Cause he, he like makes up all of his own language in addition to the fact that that like, he wants you to read him like 10 times. So that on the 10th thing you go, Oh, like this is why he's using this fucked up language. Yeah. And before that, cause I remember Heidegger was literally the first philosopher when I got into Bitcoin that I picked up because 
very weird and serendipitously, the question concerning technology was a book that Ashley just happened to have because of a philosophy class she had taken. And so I remember I picked that book up as literally like the first philosophy text that I encountered in 2012, being curious about Bitcoin and the question concerning technology. And I remember trying to read it and just being like, what is this absolute fucked up nonsense? Like if this guy's a philosopher and trying to convey important so, whereas only now, 10 years later, I realized like because of our linguistic interpretations. Yeah, you, you cut out there for a second for me, but my response was still just going to be, I'm going to rely on you to distill the Bitcoin relevant or, you know, the relevant pieces from Heidegger because that piece you sent me was super fucking annoying and I hated reading it. And so in, in like before I do my deep dive into that, I'll, I'll see what you produce first. But my, my point was going to be is like, isn't it so interesting and wonderful that this this little thing that, you know, you both just articulated on in terms of like, you know, what Bitcoin is or, you know, the very simple thing when you distill it down, but, but the power of that simple thing re like allows you to consult all these other forms of insight or wisdom or knowledge that came before us and uh, gives you the, a lens to extract so much more from it or maybe, you know, and maybe make it more relevant in certain ways. And, and, and I know this is the case for so many of us, and it's definitely been the case for me. I mean, like, I read like way more now than ever. And I've always been a fairly big reader, but like, it's just the, the, the richness that can be derived from all this form of wisdom is renewed because I think, you know, whatever Bitcoin represents, it could be because it's a literal manifestation of, of, of you know, what so many of these texts, what be they philosophical or theological have been attempting to articulate in the past. And I know we, we all kind of feel that that may be the case and we like to explore that, but even if it's not that, even if it just, you know, like you said, Eric kind of expands our perception enough, gives it another angle or domain from which to look at all this stuff and, and extract something novel from it that we didn't either see before or appreciate the relevance of perhaps because it wasn't relevant in the type of world that we had, but in this, new world that's emerging as a result of the possibilities inherent in Bitcoin, they are going to be relevant now. And so there, there's this like ferocious appetite for investigating these, these sources to try to see what might, might be brought forth, what might be clarified and crystallized and ultimately integrated into our perspective and, and, you know, the culture that we're a part of. And it's like, it's so wonderful you know that's the only word i could come up with like it's so enjoyable now that, that that there's there's such a greater salience to all this stuff i mean to to me like we're at the we're at the best place possible because there's this small cohort that like sees all of this and gets it and like there's the there's the entirety of this book in front of us to be wrote that's spectacular you know like one of the things that i'm like the fact that you guys were at the Oslo Freedom Fest and that those sort of relationships are being built. Uh, it's so important to me that that not only people on the left kind of start to understand Bitcoin more, but like indigenous peoples. And there are just all of these various groups of people that uh, are now going to have an opportunity to understand what the truth of Bitcoin gives them and their people. And I think that that has such a substantial importance across the board, you know, that like, I feel so privileged that we get to be part of that because this return to truth is meaningful for everyone, irregardless of who and, and, and where they live and, and what the circumstances of their life is. And so the fact that we get to kind of be 
the vanguard that helps introduce us to the world feels like an extremely purposeful task. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, and I, I, what's, what's really crazy for me is how, as we interact with it, you know, meeting you and Gigi and, you know, the whole crew of people and the sort of encouragement that you guys have all given me and the way that that transforms me and allows for me to push out and become bigger and more substantial than I thought before. Uh, you know, like that's a really big gift for me personally, you know, like, uh, and like, this is like the, where the spiritual stuff comes in. It's like, how, how do, what do I do with that? And how do I repay it? And like the best I can figure is that like, I put my work out into the world and I continue to do that even when I have self-doubt or insecurity or whatever else, because I can attach myself to that greater mission that's in front of us and the way that, that we celebrate and encourage each other to pursue that. And, and, and that's also such an important point and something that a lot of people miss. And it's, it's also one of the paradoxes kind of is that it, the reason why Bitcoin works is, um, I mean, there are some, some um, kind of ground truths that we have to take for granted. If, if those things are not true, that they are kind of like the axioms of, that, that Bitcoin rests upon. And the first one is that uh, P does not actually equal NP. So some mathematical problems are actually hard to solve and um, kind of validating the solution is way easier than finding the solution. The second one is uh, that computa computation actually requires energy. Because if you if you could do computation without the use of energy, everything would kind of fall apart. And I mean, it would be very hard to make sense of the universe in the first place. But but still, and the third one is that humans are greedy, and everyone acts in their self interest. So like that's 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 one of the like I I, I view Bitcoin as, as basically two parts hardware, two parts software, and it's it's not only the machines, but it's also the very human bodies and the people and, and like the wetware, that the, the values that we hold dear. And you're a self-motivated economic actor and you want to have Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin and acquire Bitcoin and so on. And so what's so beautiful about Bitcoin is that it transforms, I mean, that's Gladstein wrote about this at length, that it's, it's the, this Trojan horse that transforms human greed into freedom for everyone else. And it's, it's so hilarious because by protecting yourself and by using Bitcoin for yourself in a very self-interested and probably very greedy way, you support the system and make the system stronger for everyone else. And you, you, everyone who uses Bitcoin will become free in the process. So, so if if you're a you know greedy billionaire and you're just <laughs> buying as much Bitcoin as you can, you're helping everyone who has to use Bitcoin out of necessity, and you're supporting human rights whether you want it or not. You know, you you're supporting financial freedom for absolutely anyone in the world, and it's 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 very paradoxical in that sense as well. And it's it's not highlighted enough, I feel like. So I'm I'm very grateful for um you know alex bringing all those people together and uh also very grateful to being able to experience this firsthand and hearing all these stories firsthand and speaking to the people that you know they they had to flee their country and they used bitcoin to get money out or get get themselves out and and all the rest of it it's it's insane to hear these kind of stories that you know um for most people bitcoin is not a matter of life and death but for some people it is yeah, that's that was hugely eye opening for me too. Like, because we talk about you know the collapse of society and what it'll look like, and you know you better have some Bitcoin. But for a lot of people in the world today, I mean that's already happened, and it's been their state for like a hundred years or fifty years or whatever it is. Like that, it's they've been living in the collapsed state for a long time, and to see now that Bitcoin is finding its way to these people and they're finding a way to use it to save themselves, you know, to 
escape, to preserve their freedom, to preserve their, their wealth, their life, their livelihood, their family. Like it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's incredible to hear that that's happening and it's, you know, brings me a lot of joy to know that it is happening and, and that this solution is finding its way to those people who need it most, you know? And, and I think it's, I think it's probably going to wind up being very popular in those areas where freedom is even, uh, less available and oppression is even more egregious than it is, you know, in the developed world that we all come from and that we often criticize, you know? So, and, and one thing I wanted to ask you both, you know, Gigi is often, uh, says that you know what what kind of orients his behavior is he he does as the corn commands and you know i take that as meaning like how is this thing inspiring you or or driving your curiosity or or directing your attention and maybe there's a relevance in that and you should probably pursue that but i think it's it's the case you know this applies to myself as well but i know a lot of bitcoiners that i talk to feel the same it's like in the in the in this new reimagining of the world that's taking place and reconceptualizing of yourself in the world, how should one determine how to apply their efforts? You know, is it just a matter of, Hey, if you have an interest, that's good enough reason, pursue it. Or are there other things that you two have done to gain greater clarity on how to go about orienting yourself where you're going to have the largest impact, where you're going to have the most enjoyment, and potentially, as it sounds like, I don't think this may not be a primary uh, motivator for any of us here, but to how to position yourself so that value can at least freely is open to accruing to you, even if it's not the primary consideration, i.e. like something like income. But I'd be curious to know both of you, you know, how you've figured out, you know, who and what to be in this new emerging world, I guess is the, the crux of the question. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> like this is where it gets really fucked up. Is like I kind of I gave myself entirely over to God, you know. And he he told me he was like, put all your wealth in this, do do your thing with it. And this sort of caused this tumbling. That's you know, like I haven't been controlled of any of this kind of thrown behavior. And like this is just all my like insane thoughts that for the longest time I thought nobody else would find value out of it. And all of my writing was really a product of me trying to find my own understanding of what's occurring. Um, and I think it's really interesting just the way that inspiration, you know, like this morning, I didn't know I'd be talking to you two, but as soon as I saw the message, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, um, I want to talk to John and Gigi. Hell yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And it lights me up and inspires me. And it, uh, it's something I really want to do, not because truth is something that matters to me and trying to under have a greater understanding of the world. And just like you two, you know, like the, the way that this has sort of latched onto my mind, uh, I I'm not in control of it. And in that thrownness, I feel so great that not only have I been provided for and found a, a vision and direction for myself, but, uh, yeah, I'm inspired to continue participating, even when I have places that I feel exhausted or that I just want to take a break. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure really what to say other than uh, it, it's a very interesting personal experience that I've felt inside that has really compelled my direction. And I think that this is related to a lot of how the ancients sort of saw and understood truth and its divine revelation to them you know and so I, I i've pursued that on my own 
And that's had its own difficulties in trying to accept those places where I don't necessarily see that path. And it's just sort of me groping. But uh, the experience of it has been quite wonderful. So I I wouldn't change any of it. Um, And I'll need to to bounce out here in a couple minutes. But uh, man, I love you too. I just love talking to you guys, you know, and and connecting like this. Like, it's so great because like, I think you've said before, John, that like we can feel like the black sheep in the world, which before Bitcoin, I absolutely felt like it. And the difference was, was that I felt like a freak. Whereas like now I'm still the black sheep, but like I've found a crew of other black sheep that like I can go hang out with and not only hang out with, but like I have greater and deeper and more profound conversations than I really had anywhere else. And I feel more stimulated than anywhere else. And that's why, uh, you know, like the Bitcoin conference and other stuff is so important is getting that that personal FaceTime and steeping with those people and the way that that transforms and inspires me to be somebody that I, I could have never suspected to have been before. Yeah. Well, I feel exactly the same way. And I, I, you know, I don't know if a conversation like this holds any interest to anybody else, but like, like you said, Eric, like Gigi and I had planned to do this and I was getting set up. I was like, Oh, if I can see what Eric's up to, it'd be great to have him like, you know, just have a chat in the morning. It's a random Friday morning. Like, why not? chat with the boys and uh it just feels so good to be able to do that you know to be able to to share this type of conversation be open about what we're thinking how we're wrestling with you know this extremely yeah. mysterious phenomenon that's taking place wrestling and, with bitcoin uh, isn't that right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and it's uh i don't know it's it's so good and th- this is you know at this point this is kind of what i live for you know as i said right at the beginning the fiat, the machinations in the fiat world are increasingly irrelevant, but this stuff is just, uh, I'm so grateful for it. It's funny that everything that Eric said, it matches one-to-one with my experience. So my answer to your question is exactly the same answer that (laughs) Eric gave. And um, yeah, I, (sighs) many very weird things happened to me and I just kind of feel like I still, I have to do these things. I have to, whatever I'm doing currently, I I absolutely have to do it. And that's also how I started writing about the kind. I absolutely had to do it. And, and, and I, 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 I was helpless. I absolutely had to do it. <laughs> this just <laughs> continues kind of. And uh, yeah, that's why I sum it up in, I, I just do as the current commands because I, um, immediately know kind of what I have to do and what I have to work on and how to spend my time. And um, yeah, I... What a blessing that is. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> wait until you hear the full story. <laughs> it's <laughs> like Eric said, you know, like it's um, <laughs> it's not always a, a walk in the park and um, it's... Yeah, I, I, I think I, I try I try also to be to answer the question more in a more pragmatic fashion, maybe and, and more directly. I also try to um, be smart about it in the sense that I want to do something that just is there and scales really well. That's that's why I like writing so much. And that's also why I really like recorded conversations because this conversation that we're having right now, even though it feels like we're just hanging out and, and having a chat, you never know the kind of ripples it produces and you never know who's going to listen to it. And it might be like 10 years from now 
who knows you know like i've 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 listened back to a lot of old stuff like i've i've listened to the whole archive of uh, bitcoin Uncens uncensored with uh, john seth and it was very helpful for me at the time you know and, and these archives still exist like you can still find torrents of it and <laughs> you can you can listen to it <laughs> back to back and so i i really like um kind of putting stuff out there that just will be there and it's it's part of the self-sovereign stack too you know that's why i self-host uh, all the things as, as best as i can and so on it's i think it's 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 kind of important to have that in mind to to yeah just put it out there and also you know like i i love uh i i love that that, that we were able to convince you eric to to put yourself out there even more and i can't wait until you you finish off the book and i i really hope that that you you're still um in the back of your mind have the the graphic novel that you <laughs> talked about once that you maybe want to do i i'd buy like you know <laughs> i i, I want to recruit a bunch copies of people of this immediately <laughs> yeah i, I want to recruit like a whole crew of people to like maybe, maybe that's what the retreat up here will be is like rent the place for a week get everybody together and like try to do this massive writing thing together but Anyways, gentlemen, I gotta I gotta go take care of a, a sick family. So uh, right, I love brother. you both. Love you too. Hopefully, you guys, the, uh, the fam is is well and recovers, and I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Yeah. All right. Much love, guys, and I will hey, talk brother. to you all, all soon. Best. Much love. Be well. So there we go by the way just for the record it's evening for me you know like it's <laughs> you said it's a nice oh, right. friday friday morning <laughs> what is it eight for you now right now yeah yeah, yeah. Eight in the um do you want to do you got other anything else you want to get off your chest or i um i'm i'm still free i i still have you know i still have time if if there's something that's still on your mind <laughs> I, I don't know i wouldn't mind no, I wouldn't mind either, but I'm, this is what I was saying earlier. I don't know if it's a Zen thing or if I'm, if it's an apathy thing, I really don't think it's that, but my focus has become so clear lately. You know what I mean? And it, like, I, there's not as many questions or that's the wrong way to put it. Uh, I don't know. The, 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 the course is clear. And as a result, there's not that many like question, like questions about other things that aren't a part of the course lately. Do you know? What I, you know what I mean? Like I, I kind of know where I want to devote my attention, and all the peripheral noise is just. So I don't know. I don't know what to talk about. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I just think it's funny that all these phrases um, in these conversations come up naturally, and uh, you just mentioned, you know, like you wrestling wrestling with bitcoin and uh you know i mean it's, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> the, the the obvious uh phrases you know like he who wrestles with god and wrestling with god like that's that's I what that's what, what the title of peterson's upcoming book there you go those, so, those who wrestle so what, with god. what's gonna be what's gonna be uh the title of your upcoming book those who wrestle with bitcoin <laughs> no you know what i was i think i i mentioned to you when we were in norway that um the, the working title was uh, a unified theory of value, uh, God, consciousness, and money. Uh, and so I don't think <laughs> there you go. That, that narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't even think Bitcoin is going to be in the title because, in in a strange way, it's like it's only the very end of the story. You know how in in 
the Bitcoin standard, you know, Bitcoin was only kind of in the latter third or whatever of the book because so much mm -hmm. of it was kind of like that. Although, well, kind of like that, you know, where there, there's a lot. Bitcoin is kind of the the the, the apex of a longer story, and you know, I, I I've told you this before too. Like, I don't have none of us have any real control over what we're writing, right? I mean, we just get you get inspired to write, and it dumps out, and you you kind of engage the muse, and I, I don't know how much involvement we all have in it like you know other than when you're editing and making sure that it's all properly ordered and uh, and it coheres and all that kind of stuff but um yeah it's it's going to be about value like like uh we were discussing in this conversation it seems to be a a topic that is there's there's much yet to be determined i guess or explained or understood about it and bitcoin injects such a the lens that it uh, represents allows for that topic to be explored more clearly, I think, than ever before. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that, I think Eric really nailed it in, in, in his summary about the um, metaphysics at the root of it all and how kind of how how just by the fact of Bitcoin having embedded absolute truth embedded in it it creates this value and then it becomes valuable and we find the value in it and it's a very different value than than how we traditionally think about value or like how we currently think about value more more accurately i also really liked his idea of bitcoin being one of the very few technologies that bring us more into alignment with ourselves and closer to our human nature as opposed to alienating us more. Uh, I think that's very true. And I think it, it is, it is because of the value question. And I mean, you explore this a lot, like it's <laughs> what is value in the first place? What does it mean if we have this pristine, uncorruptible value or this, um, this thing that allows us to express the value most clearly and mm. what does it mean for all other other values that we hold and it's it's i really think it's interesting how it's wrapped up in these metaphysical questions like why do we have certain values and, and we touched about the, uh, we touched on this the last time uh, as well like you mentioned that for satoshi to create this whole thing he had to have certain values mm. embedded in his worldview Otherwise, he wouldn't have built Bitcoin in the first place, and he definitely wouldn't have built it the way he has built it. And like you know, um, equality in the system—that the system is, uh, you know, self-sustaining, and that everyone has the same has to follow the same rules. Everyone has the same level of access, and so on. And th th those are deeply, like, <laughs> those are very deep values expressed yeah. then in code and in the system. And so it it, it is it is an interesting question of like the whole value landscape that is opened up by Bitcoin and how it imposes this value landscape by wrestling with it. And that's what also what, what Eric mentioned. I mean, the, the tools that we bring into being, we shape the tools and the tools in turn shape us and every technology shapes us as well. And so Bitcoin definitely does this. This is why, I mean, you know, Bitcoin changes you. That's 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 the reason. And I think that the value landscape is at the bottom of it all. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And this has been, you know, what I've been uh, trying to investigate and explore. And I, I mean, first of all, isn't it? I'm sure that's the case with you too. But 
for me, an epiphany might be a bit of a presumptively strong word, right? Because it kind of implies that that thought that you just had is like accurate or right in some way. And it may be just garbage, you know, but the fact that like this, the stream of insights is just so constant these days, you know, like as you wrestle with Bitcoin and all the peripheral topics and themes, I mean, that's one of the things that's so uh, confronting or almost paralyzing, not paralyzing, but uh, you know, like you're just, I'm, I'm going about my day, right? I'm going for a run on the beach or I'm working on something else or having a bite to eat. And the, like the machine just keeps turning, you know? And it's like, (laughs) whatever, who knows what's fostering the the little insider epiphany, but it'll just pop off and the light bulb will go off and I'll have to, you know, whip out my phone or computer or notepad and write down what it was and then, you know, nestle it away and and grapple with it later. But that's just happening so often, you know, and it's, It's great. I Welcome love it. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it happens to you like 10x. But and then um, to, to go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just about to say I don't I don't think epiphany is too strong of a word. I definitely had a full-on epiphany. And uh I I also I mean um just to to look back to <laughs> when we were in Norway and uh, I mean we we had many conversations with many different people but I I thought it was so so funny (laughs) with with the now I'm blanking on his name obviously the uh, guy from uh, what's it called Belarus Um, oh yeah yeah I think it was Euroslav. I'm, uh, I'm going to mess it up too. Yeah, that 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 that, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too too far from his actual name, probably. <laughs> and 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 we were talking for it wasn't even that long, like 90 minutes or something like that, or maybe an hour. And and at the end of it, he was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, it feels like my brain is melting. You know, it feels <laughs> like my my brain is reconfiguring itself." And I know exactly what he means because that that happened to me too, and I had a full plan on epiphany at the end of it so i i just felt like my brain was melting for you know many hours even days and and i came out at the end of it with a full-blown epiphany i i suddenly everything kind of made sense and i'm i'm still in the process of putting the pieces back together so to speak and trying to bring it into a form so that other people can understand it as well and uh so yeah i mean of course you know like there's there's probably quite a bit of garbage in there as well that doesn't make any sense but it definitely felt like an epiphany so i don't think it's too strong of a word right well if i recall correctly you said that on our third you know episode or whatever of doing these random conversations that we might dig into that so maybe we will on the on the next one yeah but you know it it, as you what you're saying about um satoshi like those call them principles or foundational axioms for how you see the world. And again, like it's impossible not to tether this to the religious or theological domain, because that's the domain where they've been having the discussions about what are the best fundamental axioms or principles or values to have for a fulfilling life and a harmonious society, let's say. And so when, when Satoshi does something like that, which says, well, I don't want to create a system where it's unfair for certain people or where it's not, equal i want to the the principle of everyone being treated as though they were fundamentally equal not of similar market value but like you know divine equality right the divine sovereign sovereignty of each individual let's say 
I want to take that principle and I want to try to transmute it into this thing that I'm creating, you know? And so, and it, I think what's so fascinating is I, first of all, I think he's been successful in doing that, which is mind blowing in itself, but the proof is in the pudding in that if he has been successful in doing that, and this thing is accruing value. And by that, I mean, to your point earlier, people are willing to sacrifice themselves to it to such a degree and so rapidly at such scale. Again, can, can we avoid interpreting that as being, uh, as affirming the validity of those axioms? And I, I think the answer has to be, I don't think we can avoid it. You know, we shall see how things play out and all that kind of stuff. But I, like, I think that one of the reasons why studying and digging in and wrestling with Bitcoin is so compelling because it brings you all the way down to those fundamental things. Why is it accruing so much value? And you track it all the way back down. It's like, well, it's a representation of the most fundamental values, principles, or axioms that we can even conceive of. And like, what does it mean that like they, they're taking this form that's able to prove the, the validity of those things out in the interpersonal world? And you know, so again, we're back at like the, you know, the Messiah and the theological conversation, but to your point about like having your, with this guy from Belarus and like how his mind was melting, our, our perspective is so, so greatly influenced, like to an enormous degree about those fundamental principles or axioms or values that we hold. And much of the time they're subconscious, right? We, we adopt them from the society in which we emerge. And when something enters the scene that is either dramatically changing them or bringing them to a, you know, a fidelity that they've never been before, it's almost like, well, that's the rational thing that would have to happen. You would have to dissolve everything that's been erected on top of those either different or less clear, more distorted axioms, principles, values, what have you, in order to shift it to, you know, to transform that perspective to one that's tethered to this new more clarified set. And so it's no wonder that it's have, you know, the, the language that people attach to this thing that they're feeling is happening internally is something like, you know, mind melting, mind blowing epiphany, you know, this we're grasping, you know, we're wrestling with the language to attribute to what seems to be, you know, to a process that we can only glimpse that's happening internally that we, of course, we can't understand in all of its complexity, but, you know, it's a visceral feeling that it's happening. And it seems to be that those sorts of occasions when they occur is at least partially because of that, because those fundamental parameters are being replaced with, with ones that seem to be more true. And then you get into a discussion, well, what the fuck is even truth? Like, and if I think it, it opens a discussion, well, like, is there, is there an absolute truth? And if so, what does it look like? And, you know, I know we've, we've talked about that before and I'm sure we will much again, but just simply the point that like, I think that's part of what's happening when, when people have those mind melting sort of moments. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Like it's almost endless in the sense of, I mean, maybe you're, you're trying to do it in the book, but the kind of trying to nail down, what are the principles? What are the values that Satoshi embedded in bitcoin you know and it's obviously you know like what uh, what we just talked about uh, everyone should be equal i mean we we have this in in our societies as well everyone should be equal before the law for example you know mm. and that's 
in, in Bitcoin, Bitcoin itself, the network is the law. <laughs> so there is no there's no external law. So everyone is truly equal um, before Bitcoin. It's also like absolute limitation, you know? The, why is there no inflation in Bitcoin? Like, like no terminal inflation. Why is there no tail emission? It's, you know, it should be, it should be absolutely limited. That's, that's also, it, it, it is a value in the sense that if you understand money and monetary properties and, and all those kind of things, then you, you know that you don't need an inflation. You can run the whole world economy on a finite set of units as long as the units are divisible. And so it's perfect in the sense, you know, it's, it's, it is very perfect because everything else, it's very hard to come up with a terminal inflation rate that is more perfect than zero. <laughs> yeah. And to your point earlier, uh, limitation is required to sacrifice. The sacrifice is necessary for yes. the ascription of value and the discovery of value. Yes. And so you need to have something that's, if you want the, if you want to discover the, the truest value, you need the best form of sacrifice. And that necessitates an absolute limitation, something like that. And also, you know, like, I, the main comparison I always make is to compare it to the internet. And in, in the internet, at least one of the main ideas of the internet was that the network is neutral, that you have net neutrality. And, the, and, and so the network does not judge the individual packets that are sent over it. And Bitcoin is the same. Bitcoin does not judge. You know, it's, it's, it's very non-judgmental in the sense that Bitcoin itself does not care why are you sending this money around? What are you buying with it? Like, whom are you, <laughs> like, with whom are you transacting and so on? Like, you know, you can build a, a similar system and just implement uh, blacklists and whitelists and uh, kind of, you know, um, transaction filters, what have you uh, in it. But Satoshi choose not to do so. Like no censorship whatsoever. Like if you if you wanna if if you wanna buy if you wanna hire a hitman, if you wanna buy drugs, if you wanna buy weapons, everything is fine as long as the transaction is valid. Like I will not judge. You know, very non-judgmental in in, in that sense. And it's yeah, it, I I would be very hard pressed I, I'm <laughs> to come up with a complete list of of those kind of values that are very. Um, yeah, very religious, very fundamental in, in, in nature. And it's, yeah, I'm, I don't know. It's, it doesn't matter well, where, where you start digging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the part of the painful process of, of writing. And I, like I said before, I think, uh, I think I'm getting better at writing in the sense that the, the process is improving. So I'm, I'm learning how to when the, you know, the quote unquote muse strikes to just dump. And then when it kind of leaves not to force it and then, you know, use scheduled writing periods for organizing and stuff when you don't need like creative insight juices to be flowing. And that, that certainly makes the process less painful, but you know, as you're just saying, like it, when you're, when you're trudging through such territory, you know, it's kind of like the reaches of our ability to conceptualize things and to, to know things like it's inevitably going to be challenging territory to to gain clarity around. But again, I mean, I think the, the whole reason why you and I and Eric and all the other awesome people that do this is because subconsciously or, or consciously, there, there's a recognition that of the value of gaining greater clarity around what appears to be truth. The more clarity you can have around that, the more you can use it to orient your perspective, the more you can use it to integrate into your life. And that seems to be 
good. Right. And, uh, and so I mean, um, and also what other, go. what other thing is there? What other thing is there that is, that is as compelling, you know, it's <laughs> again, like <laughs> we touched on it briefly the last time, but <laughs> the last time something like this happened, the word became flesh and now the flesh <laughs> became word. And so yeah. why would you not study it? You know, yeah. why would you yeah. not? why would you not have a look at it exactly and, and, you know become obsessed with it yeah at, at 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 the expense of being ostracized or criticized or whatever now the beautiful the beautiful thing is is that there's again perhaps owing to the fact that it is such a good truth and maybe that's those are that's an unnecessary you know it's unnecessary to use both of those words together because maybe they're synonymous in, in a profound way or a fundamental way but um there, there's a there's a a big group of people that are, are seeing it as well. And you don't have to just be an isolated uh, crazy person without anyone to lean on. You know, you can actually be a, uh, an out of the closet, crazy person about this stuff. And you can use those other people in your environment to help, you know, carve out your perspective on this stuff. And that's what makes it also enjoyable. But, you know, you mentioned something a second ago, and this actually is something that I have been thinking about lately just kind of for shits, it's not part of, you know, the writing or anything too profound, but owing to that, that system that has, you know, freedom and lack of censorship and lack of judgment fully built into it. Well, that means, you know, anyone's going to be able to do whatever they want with it in the future. And I know we've talked about this a couple of times before, but the whole like prediction market thing is very interesting. You know, because when you when you start to have sophisticated anonymous prediction markets, to what degree does the future start to become like even more of a self-fulfilling prophecy? You know what I mean? Because like you predict that certain things are going to happen at certain times and then the gravity of the the value or the financial the financial gravity of making that prediction obviously incentivizes or accelerates it or increases the probability that it might happen. And so, you know, if once prediction markets are ubiquitous, all on the same monetary medium, all on the same network and access to everybody, you know, like how, how much do, does the future become simply, you know, a prediction that we, that enough people make or, and you know, that, that works the good and bad in both ways. Right? Is, yeah, yeah, that exactly. I was about to make this point that, uh, you know, there, there are <laughs> as many people that are going to bet against it. <laughs> so I'm not sure. It's hard. It's hard. Well, yeah, but I mean, then you, you, do we get into like this, this territory of like, you know, good and evil? You say like, if, if there's a prediction on something happening in the future that is good, you know, basically the, the bulk of the people thinking it's good and, 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 and making that bet has to exceed the people thinking it's bad for it to have an increased likelihood of happening. Right. And so does that accelerate think, the degree I to which we bring sense, a good future forward? Um, I think what, what I think is so, so interesting is to observe this, um, like not only firsthand, but also in many, many other people that once you, once you're, once you are able to burn off your fiat self and align yourself as closely with Bitcoin as you can, most people then I know seem to be um, in an upward spiral of 
not only prosperity and mental health and motivation and meaning and all the rest of it, but also once you're in this upward spiral, you can also shape the future you want to see in a very real sense. We're still at the stage of Bitcoin, I think, where you can absolutely do this. In, in, I mean, in, in, in all kinds of ways. Eric spoke about, you know, the proliferation of energy, for example. And I have many friends now that are actually actively working on this and trying to set energy free for Bitcoin and for humanity. And that's a very big thing. <laughs> so, so the world will be a better place if we have more access to, to abundant energy, obviously, kind of. And um, also, you know, related to other, um, you know, Bitcoin adjacent things like, um, I don't know, you know, uh, making the internet more robust, making, um, you know, privacy technologies more accessible, those kind of things. It's, I, I, think, I think there is something to be said about self-fulfilling prophecies in the sense that you can bring the future into being that you want to see at least in part. And I think what you're getting at is also if, if, if the, the value network is pristine in its signaling mechanism, you have way more influence over, like your voting with your wallet is even more meaningful than it currently is kind of. Exactly. So not only do you have that skin in the game, but you're able to see how much skin in the game other people are. But let's use an example, right? And I don't want to go to like the super obvious dark one, but so we'll just go to like the states uh, seceding, right? Or like a group of states seceding from the union or something. If it was just in the realm of information, of chatter, of dialogue, or whatever, you don't know how serious people feel about it, whether they'd vote one way or another, what, what they would do. But if you have a 24 seven prediction market where you have to have skin in the game in order to cast your, you know, your quote unquote vote and everyone is available, it has access to doing that. Then how, like how quickly do things that are, you know, a sapling of a sentiment that people might want where in the current era and before the, the relative distortion and communication of value and preferences and the inability to, to properly signal those things, made it so kind of vague and obfuscated that, you know, fewer things happened. And if they happen, they happen more slowly. But when people can make such a pristine signal and have, and make the signal be so have such a gravity because it is money. It's a, it's a reflection of, of their sacrifice as we've been discussing. Uh, and you can see, you know, like, Holy shit, you, you know, you're, you're looking at the market and you're saying, wow, hundred, you know, $10 billion or $50 billion or whatever is predicting that prior to 2026, you know, the South secedes and, you know, and, and then again, it, it develops its own uh, inertia, right? It develops its own uh, momentum. And not only are people able to see how real a sentiment or a preference actually is, but then, you know, they're, they're, you inject some kind of FOMO into it, right? Like, well, I don't, I don't, if there's an opportunity here, I don't want to be left behind, or I also agree with the preferences and the sentiments. So I, I want to get involved. And I don't know, like I haven't heard much discussion on, on the implications of, of 24 seven pristine or 24 seven prediction markets with a pristine monetary medium available to all, like, and just how kind of weird that that might make things. I mean, and maybe not at all, but I, it's at the moment I'm thinking super weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we see we see some um, things playing out already by 
information being available and things being transparent with the current liquidations that are going on in the various crypto Ponzi schemes, um, because you can you can see when certain liquidation events would be triggered. So you have certain whales that step in and try to bring the whole system down and you know shorting right. parts of it and so on. And so that's definitely interesting. Like, and if that wasn't that... available, they wouldn't be taking that action, yeah. right? Because they wouldn't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, uh, but I, I would love to um, hear Eric expand on his darker thoughts around various prediction market ideas and just, you know, setting up, setting up um, smart contracts that will be executed with a deadman switch that will hunt down the people that are responsible for your demise. <laughs> Those kind of things. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> prediction markets are only scratching the surface, I guess. Yeah, no, undoubtedly. I just, uh, you know, when value and preference can flow completely unimpeded, let's say, then as we as we continue to come back to, like we get to see the truth of reality in a in a form that we hadn't seen it, and there's a there's a chaos there, and I perhaps there's also a faith in a in a in a better emergent order that can result from it, mm -hmm. but it may take some time to establish the order through the chaos, you know? So it, I don't know, no real point. Yeah. There, but. No, I think, I, th I think that's definitely right. And I, I, I think we, we even touched, we touched on this uh, in our conversation with Peterson. I think there was the, the, the very kind of last point that we have to, we have to risk it. You know, it's, it's very much like free speech. The mm -hmm. not having free speech is the bigger danger than all the risky things that might happen because we have free speech. And I mean, that's why the logos is sacred. And I think I, we would both agree that um, like money is just, a, it's also an expression. It's an expression of value. It's very much like speech, you know? And, yeah. and, and so, so, so my, my conclusion is anything that hinders the, the flow of information in the sense that the, the flow of speech or the flow of value, it's not a good thing. It should be unhindered. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll rather, I'll, I'll rather, take free speech with <laughs> with warts and all and I'll, I'll i'll rather have you know uh, uh, a society run on a bitcoin standard where um people can spend their money as they see fit freely without any censorship and i i, I don't make a strong distinction anymore between the expression of thoughts and the expression of value yeah i agree with that and you know i think it and this we're facing this in multiple domains in the world today, but I think this is what it fun, fundamentally comes down to. Like, do you believe, you know, do you have a type of faith in the ability of, of freely acting individuals to create the best emergent order that's possible? Or do you believe that they need to be controlled or herded in, in some way by someone that presumes to know how to establish better order and as a result imposes a number of different restrictions on behaviors, the signaling of preferences, all that kind of stuff in order to achieve that, you know, and, and a, a, obviously kind of a hot button one today is like the gun debate. It's like, well, should people be able to carry guns and protect themselves or, you know, is it, is it too dangerous? Can we not trust people enough in order to give them that right and responsibility? And therefore we're going to restrict it. And, you know, it's so tangly because we're, we're having that debate in the context of a society that, in my opinion, has just been so degraded by the environment that ha people have 
come up in that we have a lot more unstable people in that society as a result of that, making the, making the problem seem worse than it really is. But that is also a reflection of my belief or faith that we have to provide, you know, we have to, well, it has to be on the individual to, to develop and develop the, the responsibility and the maturity and the knowledge of all these things to become a member that can contribute to an emergent social order, a better emergent social order. It, you know, it may seem easier in the moment to have an arbiter of authority on top of everyone to say this is good and this is bad. And obviously, I think we exist in a state like that in large part today, but it just never, it never works long term. Right. And this is kind of the, the Peterson argument, like the order, the order is compelling and it's enticing because it seems like the easy way or let's say the, the authoritarian is, is enticing because it seems like the best and easiest way to establish order. The problem is, is that it's not. Well, first of all, that's probably not true. And even to the extent that it is, it it doesn't permit the revivification or upgrading of order that's required as time changes everything. And so what you get as a result of choosing that form of order is that you get an inevitable collapse rather than taking a different approach from the outset of providing the individual or ascribing to the individual certain values and rights that allows emergent order to constantly be renewed through each individual and their participation in the whole. I think we'll have to, I, I mean, the whole, I think there is no other way but to to lay the responsibility on the individual and the the reason why i say this is because just take the take the the example of the gun debate the debate is kind of over because we have 3d printers and 3d printed guns so it's the <laughs> the cat is out of the bag and the same the same is true for bitcoin you know like should we have uncensorable limited money for people to use like there is no debate it already exists and you can use it you know like why the, the the debate is meaningless kind of it's and it doesn't matter what kind of laws you pass i mean you you can you can make bitcoiners enemy number one and you can make life hell for bitcoiners but bitcoiners can also pack up and leave and again we're, we're coming back to the fundamentals of like having 12 words in your head and that's it and then you can leave and move to a different jurisdiction and so the, the debate is kind of meaningless if if we should have should have this or not and the same is true for guns and the, the way i see it is that money is now speech thanks thanks to bitcoin i mean we we, we mentioned this before bitcoin is just text bitcoin is just speech and that's why it's so powerful it, it has no physical instantiation in, in 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 any real sense i mean of course it has this link to the real world with proof of work but still it's it's <laughs> Bitcoin transforms speech into money, so to speak. Money is speech thanks to Bitcoin. And for guns, this is true too now. You know, guns are speech now. You, you, you download a file and you have a 3D printer. And the 3D printer is very, very easy to acquire everywhere on earth, basically. And uh, you just <laughs> buy filament and you download this file and then you, you 3D print a gun. And this works and it only improves. You know, like it, 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 it will only get easier and more ubiquitous and and i'm not i'm you know i i have no real value judgment on that it's it's just the, the reality of the situation i think we as a society will have to grapple with this fact and i mean all the 3d 
uh, 3D printed gun people, they basically say, you know, like the, the gun, <laughs> the gun debate is kind of over. If people want to have guns, they just, just get guns, you know, just print guns. And um, it's, it's very, we're at a very weird point in society because for example, the, the 3D printed gun example, I feel like 99.9% .9 of the people don't know that this exists, but it really does exist. And it, it is, it is incredibly, incredibly easy to 3D print a gun. Like it, it's like a weekend project, you know. Like it, it, it won't take you, it, it won't take you like a year. It's <laughs> very similar to Bitcoin, you know. Like using Bitcoin, holding your own Bitcoin, running a node, setting up those things. It's if you, if you, if you're a bit technically inclined, if you, if you know a little bit about computers and so on, it, it won't take you like a year plus to get going and and become self-sovereign in the in the monetary sense and so i i feel like we are we're yeah i mean i i keep repeating myself but we are entering a very a very strange um period of history currently because i i think i think something like that has never existed before it's it's <laughs> and it is facilitated by technology you know like we never yeah. had a magical spell that you can download from the internet and you can 3d print a machine gun you know yeah and it may, i mean it makes you think of this like transition to the digital or, or information age right because if information if i think it was andreessen who said software is eating the world right i think it was him but mm -hmm. um you know there's so many juicy questions here, but like what that means, all the stuff we've been talking about, kind of like fundamental parameters or, mm. or axioms of, of reality or what's true and, and how to formulate a perspective. Like, what does it mean that we're moving into a world that is increasingly constituted by information? You know, and, and first of all, what does that say about the world? And then, you know, what does that mean as, as more and more things, you know, are, exit or or at least straddle both the realm of physicality and information now and you know i don't have a ready-made answer to that question but it seems like i don't know it's 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 an interesting one to discuss right because as you as you've often pointed out i mean information wants to be free and it seems like that's the route things are going and when when you can maybe the digital revolution is like the capacity to go between realms, the physical and the informational is becoming more and more efficient and more and more easy. So something, something can have a informational representation or a physical representation very easily. It's basically your choice. And, and when that, that happens, all the different ways in which we've attempted to govern ourselves, control the world, et cetera, based on a primary, you know, based on, not having that capacity and things being primarily in the material or physical world, what does it mean when we open this, up this whole new realm where all those, let's call them laws or rules or restrictions or even social norms and stuff like that are no longer operable because we're in a realm that of information and all the different, you know, uh, dynamics that, that exist in that realm. Yeah, again, I keep coming back to the sovereign individual thesis because this book lays it out like no other. And I think we're, I mean, Jeff Booth talked about this as well um, in his book. That, uh, and there are many, many other books that uh, go on about the kind of 
the transformations that the information age brings about and how the world dematerializes and how you know everything turns in, into information and now we have the best money that humanity has ever seen is also information which is insane because it's it's very much also like a, <laughs> I mean excuse the metaphor it's a bit of a stretch but it, I think that's what Sailor means when he when he talks about you know digital energy and storing energy and those kind of things it's if you have Bitcoin you can go anywhere in the world and get whatever that's what money is you know like you you bring it into existence and it doesn't come out of a 3D printer but it comes out from other people but that's what what money allows you to do and so so it's very true what you said that like everything is information and you can switch between the informational representation into the physical instantiation very quickly you know like you go just somewhere and you bring it into existence so to speak and it's i mean i i always refer to my own filter bubble to kind of get a glimpse I get a glimpse into hyper-Bitcoinization and all the people that I surround myself with. And of course, you know, like that's heavily biased because the, <laughs> the, the <laughs> you know, like the, the people that I surround myself with fit certain profiles and so on and certain personality profiles. But I feel like, um, I feel like a lot of Bitcoiners, they, they really, um, they strip it down to the bare essentials of what they actually need. I mean, just look at you, you know, like you have, two t-shirts basically i don't know if you have anything else you have like a microphone and, and the laptop and the phone and and, and your phones and two t-shirts and two two shorts and that's it basically. pretty much basically. Yeah. maybe you have a pair of flip-flops or crocs or something <laughs> and, <laughs> and i know many people that that are you know like that in the sense that of course you know maybe uh, and we spoke about this in the past as well that a lot of people are you know trying just like Eric, trying to become more self-sovereign and uh, building out their own homestead or farm or what have you, and you, you you obviously need tools and need other things, but 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 I I feel like as things dematerialize, the material things themselves, in the sense of having expensive things to show off and having I don't know fast cars, they become less in, less important. Weirdly enough, it's it, if if you if you can create it by the push of a button. Why would you have it in the first place? <laughs> I think that's that's kind of the idea, maybe. Yeah, I agree. And and you know, it's I, I've been, as I said earlier, reading a lot lately, and I've I've always been interested in like the the Eastern religious philosophy, mysticism type stuff. And you know, a lot of that stuff tracks back to like whether it's Hermeticism or Taoism or whatever, like an initial separation, right? So you have the ineffable primary cause of the universe, right? the 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 ultimate cause and then this is if you follow peterson's work and stuff he represented in the christian mythology and narrative and stuff as well but you have this initial polarity right you have night and day you have good and bad you have black and white you know all this stuff and through that polarity the world gets formed and isn't it interesting that you know because when we say information and particularly in the quote-unquote digital realm i mean realm we're talking about the difference between one and zero, right? And and through that the, the, that relationship or that difference, entire an entire conceptual world is born just by you know by that initial separation and the different ways to manipulate that. And uh, I, I don't think it's an accident, right? I I think it's a it's the same pattern, the same fundamental dynamics being represented once again in another sphere, you know, and, and the, this I explore and, and 
continue to try to think about, um, you know, how the, the sort of fractal nature of reality. And, you know, that that's probably a little uh, esoteric for some, but I think if, I think there's a pretty simple logic to it whereby like every system that exists, whether it's like chemistry or biology or the movement of the planets and all that kind of stuff, they influence and are influenced by some other system, right? There's a, there's a connection between them all. And I think they're in many ways are fundamentally constituted by some similar parameters and obviously different parameters as well that make them different systems. But um, I don't know, just, just still, still working through that thought, but kind of tickled by the idea that, you know, the same, the same notion or, or premise of fundamental polarity is what ends up creating meaning and value and all the different things that get constructed on top of that in whatever substrate or domain you care to look. Yeah, I mean, you need this polarity to have differentiation in the first place, I think. Right. And, right. and it's true. That's, that's true for absolutely everything. Like with, without any polarity, you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have any change and then you wouldn't have time for example you know like it, if, if everything is just a gray unmoving goo where you can't differentiate one thing from another there is the, the concept of time itself doesn't make sense for example um and it's it, also the, the 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 things you mentioned on, on like the fractal nature of nature <laughs> and all these systems being um interdependent uh of each other obviously like everything is connected kind of in nature and uh, i i just started reading a book recently i think it was rec recommended by some Bitcoin, or maybe it was even brandon i, I don't know um uh, design in nature which is going on about the the title is design in nature um the subtitle i i don't remember the subtitle but it's 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 about the um uh, uh constructor law is what the authors uh, call it and it's it's basically why it's it's an explanation of why everything has this um, weird pattern. Like, why does a lightning strike look the same way as like a dry riverbed and looks the same way as like the branches of a tree looks the same way right. as like the inside of your lungs and so on. And um, so it, it goes into this law that just governs how any system kind of must work if it wants to work most efficiently. And um, it's it's also true for, um, you know, like how our, like <laughs> um, how traffic systems work, like how, how we organize our streets, you know, like you have, <laughs> it, it's, it's all fractal in nature. You have a large, broad highway and then it spreads out into smaller streets and like the, the flow of information and the flow of electrons and the flow of life and the flow of rivers and the flow of air, it's, it's all, all these flows if you if you um if you re if you want to reach the most people in with the shortest path this is the design that you will come up with period and this is also true in, in bitcoin you know like if you if you look at if you look at um the, the layered money that's currently emerging it, it's very obvious that you you have you know like the the backbone of value so to speak and you have smaller channels which are of course the lightning channels um where you know like for <laughs> connecting the the, the the smaller instances uh, at the end of it um it's 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 it, to me, it's obvious that a very similar structure, if you just look at the flow of value that will be settled on the Bitcoin network, it will have a very 
similar structure than like how rivers flow and how air flows through our lungs and so on. And it's, uh, I think it's, it's obviously true that there are certain truths in this universe and certain base assumptions that you have to make. And one of them is of course, this polarity. You need to, you need to have differences for things to be different for <laughs> meaningful phenomena to emerge in the first place. And then if you want to, if you have things that flow, there are certain patterns that will maximize the flow and kind of maximize, uh, for example, I mean, just look at the, the, the perfect example is, is always the mushrooms. If <laughs> you, you probably know this experiment where they where they try to recreate the subway system yes. of uh, Tokyo, Tokyo and so on, yes. and yeah, yeah, where um, trying to figure out what is the most efficient way of connecting all the cities and so on, and they just and they used mushrooms to to kind of see what nature figures out as the most efficient ways to connect things. And um, the, the thing I'm trying to say is like, there is a way, there is a way, if you have certain problems, there is a way to solve them most efficiently. Right. <laughs> nature figures this out. <laughs> right, which is based also saying there is an order to- the truth. The, exactly, to the universe. And it almost seems like the degree to which you're able to you know, see and conform to that, the easier you'll be able to move through the chaos of existence or the, the, you know, the, the more efficient, more efficiently you'll be able to achieve your ends or something like that. And of course, there's even an argument for like, well, how that order allows you to perceive or conceive of the most desired ends, you know, but we won't go into that one right now. But I think, and I think that's the point with Bitcoin. And this is also the point that the in the current era, like the, the strict rationalist materialists maybe fail to appreciate in its fullness is like, there, there does seem to be an all pervading order that influences things in certain way. And it does in certain ways. And it does seem to be the case that the greater degree of understanding you can have around that, the, the more it enhances your ability to construct a meaningful life. And you know, maybe bringing it full circle, perhaps it's the case that Bitcoin's architecture and what it's, what it's become or what it's becoming is, you know, perhaps more aligned or more tapped into to that order than anything we've ever had in order to express ourselves with one another interpersonally or intersubjectively. And perhaps that's part of the reason why it's seemingly succeeding. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I quote Hass all the time because he's, you know, he's one of my brothers who also had a Bitcoin epiphany and he summed it up in the phrase, Bitcoin is nature, you know, it, it, it is, it is nature itself. And the way I would translate this is that it maps one-to-one -one on physical reality and on these deep truths of reality and on kind of the truths of nature itself. And that's why as a system, it behaves like an organism. It behaves as if it was nature itself. <laughs> and and to, to your point in regards to the, the Eastern thought and so on, I think what what um, those, those teachings try to tell you is that um, you should 
live in accordance with nature and not try to fight nature itself mm. like that's that's a losing battle <laughs> which 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 doesn't necessarily as well totally and which doesn't necessarily mean live a quote-unquote natural life the way it might be conceived of today right like just like yeah, don't don't get eaten so, by the lion every day. Like that's not a good strategy. Yeah, yeah, and like just live out in the forest or something like that. I don't think that's what living in accord with nature necessarily means. Yeah, I and I think Bitcoin is going to help us gain more clarity about what it actually does mean in in helping us gain more clarity about what values it is we should be pursuing and what kind of a culture emerges as a result of more and more people pursuing that. You know, the question that we've discussed before around progress, like what how should we be framing progress? And if Bitcoin is going to be kind of a boon to our ability to achieve genuine progress, well, what does that look like? I don't think it looks like moving back into the forest, but it may not look like, you know, uh, the current conception of the future that we have with starships and all that kind of stuff, you know, but whatever it is, it seems like it's going to foster a, a, a greater closeness with the, the laws of nature. And that should hopefully bring greater harmony to human affairs. Yeah, I agree. And with that, that about sums it up. Uh, yeah, I got 3% <laughs> left on my uh, laptop here and a busting bladder. So we should probably shut it down and uh, <laughs> let you, you know, get a bite to eat or get to bed and we'll uh, we'll fire up number 3 sometime in the future. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, brother. Well, always a pleasure and uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Awesome. Likewise. Yeah, talk soon. Bye. See bye. You.